OTB GAA. One of the fathers was mentioning the cows at half six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning. They started crying that we we'll just have to win in the county final yesterday. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It is Wednesday, the 21st of December. So we're keeping everybody right. Uh, Colm is here. Colm, how are you? Hi, Jar. Hi, Shane. Shane's also here. Good morning. Happy winter solstice, etc. Um, Shane, we're very lucky to be uh, joined by the great man, Colm, who has been cheating on us behind our backs. Has he? He's been using the show as a platform to uh, to try and wangle his way onto a slight tangent on off the ball on News Talk, the evening version of our show. Mm. And uh, last night it was successful. And he came in this morning. I didn't really, could really sleep last night. It's too adrenalised after my my amazing performance. This is this. I don't recall saying that. I'm like, uh, so we're we're getting. We've been used. Basically. But we have street libel courses that we go on. And we're getting defamation like this. We're getting. This is unbelievable. I didn't say like that. his his you know. The tired uh, version. Well, uh, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use there, you can step in and use whatever phrase you want to use. Yeah. It was such a welcoming atmosphere. Um, one could learn a lot. It was great, really. It was just, you were new and it fresh. Just felt, uh, it was just felt welcoming and it felt open. It was like just... That's because you're bringing all your... And you know what they said, actually? Uh, they, they were like, turn your chair there towards us. You don't have to look at the camera. It was quite nice, actually. It was just a nice... Oh, it was yeah. a lovely conversation. Standards just go down. It was a yeah, lovely yeah. conversation. Not a great experience and it for, was, the, uh, for the viewer, though, Colm. It was... Uh, ten, the viewers are at home going, why are they ignoring 11 us? 11 hours ago. 11 why, hours why, ago. why are they making a, a barrier for us to enjoy this? 11 hours ago. Jeez, igno- town was mad. It was my first time in town midweek you, you in a long, long time. Are you ignoring time. what we're saying, Long Colm? time. It was thronged inside there. Yeah. Thronged now. I mean, okay, Christmas week. I'll give you that. Man but goes to man goes city on Christmas week and finds it full of people. I just said, Christmas week, I'll give you that. But I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm all over the place here because it's, it's actually so peaceful here in the morning in town. It's a nice little calm to it. It's lovely. It is, it's really nice. Yeah. I was it's a, a privilege, sir, is what I'm trying to say, to be on the morning show. Oh. All right? Oh. I was there and I had a great time, but it so th- didn't do feel it, the same. We should do an Elon Musk style poll. Should we just bump Colin to the evening? Are you digging? Is that, is I, that thought what what canoe. I thought it was canoe. Is that? Maybe uh, we can stick it in the YouTube comments. So kick Colin out. Basically, is the hashtag that we want to get trending before the end of the show. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag kick column out. God, yeah. I mean, you would think of Christmas week, you'd be a bit more festive and a bit. No, I'm a bit last Christmas. Yeah, I, I noticed you're wearing your jumper. But the very next day. Yeah. I, I noticed you're wearing your Colin jumper. I thought that would be safe for tomorrow, but you do feel like you're. You felt a very Christmassy vibe off of yesterday. Um, I kind of knew the jumper was coming, but a day early now. I must. What does that mean? You were happy. What, Jeez, what, not everything's what uh, an accusation. Like I was. I mean, just, it is I, with you. It's all I right, just yeah. thought. I just. I thought you were uh, happy ah, yesterday, or happier than a typical Tuesday. We're all yeah. Anyway, loads happening. What what what's happening, Colin? Come on, tell us. Well, Kathleen, when it's true in the pre-show that there's an awful lot. I can't believe. I actually just can't believe that domestic football was back last night. Uh, I just well, cannot believe. Well, I honestly, well, English well, well, honestly, whoa, I whoa, 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 What's wrong with you? Domestic football. Where, where do you live? All right, club football. Where? I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that the League Cup was on. Like English club believe. football was yes, back. English yeah. club football. Wow. Yes. And um, <laughs> cross channel soccer. The Union yeah. Jack yeah, yeah, was yeah, coming yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I did. I did flick through, and it was like uh, Hibs versus Rangers. I was like, nah, no way. Apparently a classic. Aberdeen, Aberdeen, Aberdeen Rangers. Aberdeen, yeah. Aberdeen, Aberdeen, sorry, Aberdeen Rangers. Yeah. Or Goodwin. They're two, two, two in a row now. Celtic and Rangers heartbreaks. Mm. Two um, 
two late minute, two last minute goals for Rangers. Yeah. I saw later on live score. I was like, mm. Scott Arfield, yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah. nothing in the world could um, draw me into that game last night. Oh, it's tough to, it's tough. To, the World Cup leaves you, um, leaves you a bit sad with football because you, club football just doesn't cut it anymore. Right now, it doesn't. I mean, it'll be fine in the, in the next day or two when we all settle and Stephen's Day comes and the twenty seventh comes and there's a bit of Premier League and we're like, oh, okay, I can get back on board with this. He's like, what's what's Stephen's Day? Yeah, yeah. Box, sorry, Boxing Day. Boxing Colin, Day for you. For you oh, it, yeah. it would be Boxing, boxing Day. That's a great day of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxing Day. We love it, mate. Yeah, love it. So yeah, uh, that's fair. Were you watching White Lotus? No, no, no. Haven't seen it. West Ham fan features heavily. Right. Sings uh, no perfect version of. We're forever blowing bubbles at a very important moment in the whole thing. Okay. I was busy. I was watching the Sean Quinn documentary last night. Oh, it's, on, it's, it's very good. Oh, your people? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're obviously yeah, violent, yeah. violent up in that part of the yeah, country. Yeah. Oh, who gives you that? Oh, Alan Jukes. Alan Jukes. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, North Kildare's Alan Jukes. Not, not in any way connected. Oh, maybe he was South Kildare, was he? <laughs> you don't want to claim him, no. Definitely very not. prominent in the documentary. I saw the last episode. I've only seen episode one now, so was I can't. He, was oh, he wearing episode his, three is um, incredible. His weird little leather waistcoat. <laughs> uh, snappy dresser know. for a former teacher. Oh, very, very, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not very good documentary. Um, so yeah, it's finding it tough to to go back into the football. Like documentaries yeah. is my my go to around Christmas. Like relax, enjoy, um, put on something a bit more long form. I'll probably watch the match tonight at Old Trafford. To be honest, mm. I'll throw it on. Um, Are you not excited to see what the the genius Ten Hag can do? Yeah, of course. In the post Ronaldo era, well, now that he's free of the burden of having to um, shackles are off, deal with the scowl. Yeah, and Rashford signed a new one year deal as well. I've seen in the papers that. this morning. Well, so. well, they triggered a contract. Triggering a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll keep PSG yeah. off the tails. No, it won't. It's, nah. it's just doing a good bit of business to make sure that PSG are going to pay full price that they're going to pay. Mm. Get him out! Get him out! Yeah, fair. I thought um, Vinny, Vinny was uh, very impressed with them. Um, Ten Hag recruited those two consultants as well to help with the uh, refocus after the World Cup for the players so we'll see it in full swing tonight against Burnley This is definitely I think one of the worst parts of uh, modern football culture is that a club does something that you would expect them to do and it becomes massive back page news I think it's because it's really niche isn't it? No it, it's, it's actually, the opposite well, niche it's, it's The actual written description is quite niche But like of, we were going to uh, we, uh, consultant specifically hired to re-energize and refocus people. Well, that's just is is basically what they're doing anyway. But there was an actual column written about it with a certain company. bullshit. That's what that is. Well, I'm trying to find the book of the guy. Uh, your man worked with Roy Keane. We had him on. We had him on with um, Stuart Lancaster. I can't see the name of the book there. But anyway, Man United have had these people working around the club for thirty years. Like, but it's oh, mind guru. Psych doctor, and you're like really tabloid uh, press. In the context of the World Cup, and it's mid-season, is why it sticks out. Generally, you, maybe you hire these uh, these consultants in the off-season on an ongoing basis, all the time. See, these guys are professional athletes. They need to be re- ready to come back from a World Cup. And like, I was seeing all these back page headlines. Scott McTominay. I was I was texting Sandro Martinez yesterday, and I was like, "Well done." And he was like, "Yes." Now we go for the next one. We go again. And I was so impressed. And I was like. What do you mean? Of course he's going to say that. Yeah. He has to come back to United and yeah. tend to want to win trophies again. Yeah, and I, I think the next one wasn't the next World Cup. I think the next one was like the next tournament to his mate. Yeah, 100%. Like the next one. You, you know, you can have a bit of this too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty, because you ain't never going to qualify for a World Cup, pal. Let's win the Carabao. I mean, if, you, if you're if you Lissandro Martinez and you win, like, say, the Carabao Cup this season, I can't, 
Are you excited? I, well, I, are you not <clears throat> both legitimately excited about things in Manchester United at the moment? I mean, obviously, I'm trying to puncture your excitement. Uh, I was. I, I'm just. It's more about club football, like domestic football. You know, it's it's back now, and I feel like um, I'm not really. Uh, I'm not, I can't get into it. I was saying actually yesterday to someone that I haven't said like the words out loud on air: Manchester United or Liverpool or Manchester City. Oh in a month and it's very refreshing and it actually goes to show like that there is something very nice and kind of um, a gathering of large masses when countries play each other and you kind of oh, forget it's far about superior. It's far Isn't superior. It? There's yeah. just something, I don't know, it just captures the imagination a bit and more. It's why, <coughs> I, 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 yeah. It's why the Nations League is a really good idea because it mm. gives some meaning to the matches in between. Obviously it's not as important and we never we don't think it's ever going to be as important but it does certainly help with those uh, yeah. international friendlies being completely meaningless mm. and uh, the tournaments matter more and that's yeah. like that's why it I mean a World Cup every three years okay we can't have it every two years uh, well, well, not every, Arsenal well, Vegas, every three years no but there's something about the passion and <clears throat> camaraderie of international teammates that uh, you could have the tightest knit bunch of club players around but it still doesn't surpass like countries gathering one of the uh, French yeah. players was being accused of being a toxic presence after being dropped and um have you seen the Mbappe um, halftime? Yeah, Johnny yeah. Sexton. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't amazing. It was exactly what you'd expect, but the fact that he was doing it, like, yeah, uh, considering he did a bad first half himself. Yeah, but like he is he is genuinely the leader, and he he stood up and he did everything he said he'd do, and yeah, even though he was only an eight out of ten, obviously because he even though he scored a hat trick. But we, got, we, we get we get him we got him to nine. We got him to nine. Keep him to nine. Even though he was clearly a ten. I, I've been following the uh, the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. Uh, chase quite quite closely the award has been given out tonight oh, you'll you have been following this Colin BBC of course your domestic yeah, domestic great. channel it's, uh, a, it's great awards yeah um, Ronnie O'Sullivan I've never watched it is it, a, is it ah I don't really I don't really care for watching it I like watching the montages and getting to know each athlete beforehand but I mean Ronnie O'Sullivan's 47 years of age he's won 7 world titles and he has never won sports personality and, and as you were saying before the show started if it's to to go off personality Never mind sporting talent or prowess. Ronnie O'Sullivan, it's a disgrace that he's never won it. When, I, when they say personality, they probably prefer unassuming types who are just brilliant to what they do and they probably don't want Ronnie up there. It's like when uh, Mickey Rourke missed out on the Oscar for the wrestler and he won every other award that season but they didn't want him up on stage saying uh, mad stuff because like, he was, went up on stage at the Golden Globes and would just shoot it off about 15 years of effing up his career and giving examples. That's and they're like, want, We don't want that it? at the Academy Awards. See Ronnie O'Sullivan. We don't want them going up and his acceptance speech being like, oh, this is all a load of nonsense anyway. But thanks. Yeah, they, don't want that, they you know? do pick there. I'm just looking through the list. Like Beckham, obviously, oh, one. You've Beckham's perfect for it. Radcliffe, Johnny Wilkinson, Kelly Holmes, Freddie Flintoff. For what they um, Giggsy in 09. Giggsy. Mm. Giggsy the end of the season. AP McCoy won it in 2010. Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, Andy Murray, three-time winner. Lewis Hamilton's picked up a rake of them as well. I think there was a massive campaign to get Tony McCoy because that was his last year. Yeah. Or uh, was it the year he broke the record? It wasn't his last year. He's not, he's not retired 12 years, is he? Jesus, he couldn't be. Um, but there, that required a massive season-long campaign from the racing community to... Mm. So, you, like, it, you know, you can't, just, you can't just show up in December. No, of course. Darren Clark finished second to Mark Cavendish in 2011. Oh, <laughs> Mark Cavendish and Darren Clark together. What a, what a great night. And, who, and who was... Be. Tell you who was third. Mo Farah. Well, so there you go. Mo like, seems to be a very good human being. He did win. From, yeah. You know. Well, he won it in 2017, Mo Farah, Sports Personality of the Year. Last year's winner was Emma Raducanu, well deserved, ahead of Tom Daly. I don't know. Beth Mead is the odd. She's going to win it tonight, apparently. Oh. Um, I mean, Golden Boot and England Star from yeah. the, from the uh, Euro 2022. Does anybody really care about this? 
No, what but we do over there. Yeah. I, what I, do you? It's a big thing for us. The yeah. only thing I care about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I care about Ronnie O'Sullivan having never <clears> won it because I mean, snooker. It, it represents snooker being mis uh, misrepresented and ignored because if it's personalities that are being picked, then I mean, give it, give it to Ronnie. Yeah, Jesus. I don't think they want to repeat the mistake of when I remember when Wayne Rooney won it when he was only a young fella at Everton and he showed up chewing gum and the tie was down and was that the main award or was that the young was it was a young it was young yeah yeah, but even then I don't think they want to repeat anyone who's not going to play along the media game it was what young but uh, yeah they want someone who's like Beckham's perfect for it Um, Uh, Andy Murray's ideal for it you know he's going to be he's going to thank you very much and obviously he's brilliant as well I think with the Ronnie factor he's just too much of a maverick and. They don't want them to say I do, anything. I do that. think David Beckham is perfect for it. This is exactly the type of award that he should be winning, as opposed to like a World Cup footballer award. Yeah. No, knighthood, knighthood, whatever you want. You know, that's the first of December. Uh, yeah, well, he but should be. Well, he got you know second um, best player in the world around the same time. Um, Hence, why he got BBC Sports. He was actually. He was world class. Got it because he came back from having an effigy burned of him after 1998. He got it because that he was started in midfield against Bayern Munich out of position in the Champions League final. He was and they won the treble, game. and it was his best season. Michael Owen won it in 1998. But you see, he, what Michael no, Owen won. <clears throat> Uh, oh, sorry, sports personality. Sports personality, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, like, sports, F1 isn't ignored. Damon Hill won it in 94, Nigel Mansell in 92, Hill again in 96, actually. Like, so, mm. my whole point for bringing it up, I don't really care who wins it, and Beth Mead will win it tonight, but uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan being ignored is, is what's really mm. got me. Is it is it annoyed. classist? Do you think Very that, classist. Do you think that this society, which is based on a weird hierarchical system, might have a disrespect for the lower working classes? 100%. And snooker is one of those sports. It's, you know, naturally, it's the sign of a misspent youth, as they say. As Jimmy White has said himself. So I, I do think, yeah, it's one of those sports that people um, turn their noses up at. Maybe if he wins, he right. can send Maybe someone up on uh, his behalf to accept the award, like Marlon Brando did. Oh, yeah. The Godfather, too. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, that'd, be, that'd be strong I, I wouldn't put that past Ronnie he would, could do anything he's such a good interviewee isn't he he's the greatest like personality he, in British sport they've ever, they've ever had 100% Bradley Wiggins he's a former winner I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't tell you with that Shane he's, uh, he is mesmerising to watch in every sense of the word there was apparently a documentary filmed during his uh, world title mm. win last year and I, think, I don't know if it's for Netflix or what it is but I'm looking forward to seeing that when it's, when it's finally made so, uh, is he going through this phase the last three to four years where he's regularly saying when interviewed like oh, I don't really care about this game anymore I kind of just play it he's always done that though he's kinda, has he, had, it feels to me that it's been highlighted particularly in the last number of years and maybe yeah. he's doing more media but um, it just feels to me that he he kind of has a disdain for the sport I think, it? It, I think it's more he enjoys doing other things more now he enjoys uh, doing media at a snooker event more than he enjoys playing at that event. Doesn't so he, yeah. it, it takes the pressure off him because he knows when he's knocked out, he doesn't really care. Is it a defence mechanism so that if he loses, he's saying, well, I told you I don't care about it. Possibly. And also, he's saying that the generation coming through aren't that special. Yeah, he's right there. Like, But that's just a, that, that's because the sport is being ignored. No, it's been, Barry Hearn has helped it a lot. But um, yeah, I think he's, he's called them numpties. Yeah, I once interviewed him in Drogheda and he, he came out with this little I started asking him about the quality of the younger players in the sport and he showed me the mug he was drinking tea out of and literally just said numpties and he said that's what they are Jeez. <laughs> he was ready to go he's bigger than the sport though does he, he carry the numpties mug around with him he must he just happened to have it on him at that particular point is he, but he, um, is he bigger than the sport uh, yeah he probably is there's probably a number of different sports that that have a personality that's bigger. Was Federer bigger than tennis? Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. No. I think I think Granny's entertainment surpasses the game. No? Well, Tiger Woods, obviously. Yeah, Tiger Woods. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, OTB AM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless fitness today. <clears throat> Pardon me. Here's what's coming up between now and ten o'clock on OTB AM. 
uh, Cam's Connacht is what we're calling it. You, you, the Connacht fans, demanded, we've listened, we're bringing you Cameron's highlights of the year, top five, bottom five. Uh, Around the World with Shane Hannon, uh, Sports News at 8.45, I think it's Colin Lally today. Mm-hmm. Shane is going to give us uh, documentaries to watch over the uh, um, Christmas break. Jenny Claffey's going to give us her tennis moment of the year. If the number one tennis moment of the year isn't the two lads bawling, crying beside each other. Yeah. No, you forget it was... Um like Chokovic at the very start of the year that was madness that took over the news when was Alcaraz what month uh, when he, he won was, uh, yeah. All, yeah, September ah, start yeah, of yeah. September yeah. when the US that was, Open that was brilliant was that actually Alcaraz's um, breakthrough is was, was probably bigger in the springtime March, April we were on here talking about he was the best player in the world at that point and yeah. he became world number one in September but he had an um, inconsistent summer ah yeah like <laughs> Federer and Nadal that was crazy that Friday night they had match points as well to win that his last ever game when they lost it but for Jeez. me I know Djokovic I think we forget it because it was all the way back in January that, that Jockford story was madness. I mean, it was. But that was madness. The two lads crying is like all-time... All-time, yeah, all-time picture. Like, yeah. yeah, I think they were both just so sad because they were getting older, you know? They just saw it right there in front of them. Oh, my God, this really is it. Nadal um, became a father subsequently, too. That could have been what, what would have happened. That's why he's crying. I mean, Messi and Ronaldo, we could have had that moment. We could have had that lovely little moment of the two of them crying together, hugging it, letting it all, letting it all out after a year of being in foes. And that, in the final or, or in, in any game. But it's just not going to happen any, anymore because Ronaldo's... They were, they were on opposite sides of the draw. I wonder, um, I wonder would we have preferred that? The tears and the... Like emotion. a Ronaldo hat-trick in the final and they lose. Is he still storming off or is he like, yeah, it's got a hat-trick, I'm delighted. Ah, yeah, he's, happy. he's happy enough in, in himself. Individual honours. They should play doubles foot tennis to call it a day. You know the way uh, everybody's like, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't script a World Cup final. No one would believe you. If you were to script it and Ronaldo was to lose, what what would be the most dramatic and best the way in which France and Mbappe lost? For him like to that, lose, uh, a hat trick, yeah, losing hat trick. If he, I think the most dramatic way would be if we went to a penalty shootout and Ronaldo had a chance to win the shootout, number five and missed fifth penalty, and then it went to sudden death. Then it went to sudden death, and then within sixty seconds, the opposition won. That would be, and, I, and then Messi's gone mental. That would be the ultimate. Uh, it's not just miss the miss the penalty to keep the minute. No, I would say to win it because that would he would never ever get over that ever. Ronaldo was a, a, pen, a penalty to win the World Cup for Portugal, and he misses, and then within a minute because it's sudden death now. Um, Argentina win it, and he does miss big penalty. He missed the away at Champions League final shootout penalty. So, better record than Messi though. Messi's he record does. vastly improved over the World Cup. He only missed one. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, <laughs> I mean, twenty eight. He did twenty eight percent miss record heading into the World Cup. Every time you stand over one, you're like, this is not going to end well. This is why you <laughs> do this. I don't think we're talking about his penalty. Did you not find the shootout else? enough? Like, no, it was amazing. He passed it into the net, and it wasn't that much in the corner. Well, to it be wasn't f- in the corner at all. Yeah. The reason it, w- it wasn't as impressive to me is because Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris jumped about a year before he took it. It's like, oh yeah, there you go, Leo. A running just put it there. That's, I'm going to dive over here. I, I think it made it though because it, it rolled so slowly that Lloris was like, what? Like right next to him, just watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'd was... already committed to the other side, but that was a remarkable penalty. I mean, if he meant exactly that, which let's imagine he did, Messi, that was that thinking is incredible. Sorry, I got a message last night on uh, on Instagram from Bob Dwyer or mm-hmm. ROTB um, resident uh, Spurs fan he says here's one for you in the morning Hugo Lloris is runner-up record right Premier League 16-17 League Cup in 2015 and 2021 Champions League in 2019 World Cup 2022 Euros 2016 and if he does the FA Cup this he- season he finishes the, the Grand Slam the Losers Grand Slam doesn't have a great record in the finals the big finals I mean is, is he the choker we all forgot about he can't save a penalty either he's a World Cup winner ah fair that gets you, that wriggles you off any hook. I won the World Cup, doesn't matter. 
True, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not great. Does it make up for everything else? I mean, the reason well, the reason is because he's decided to stay at Spurs for over a decade, who famously don't win trophies. Mm. So, I mean, that's probably... I mean, if he went to another club, I don't think he would prevent uh, another club winning trophies. But well, the likes of Lloris and Kane look back in their careers, their club careers, and say, well, I mean... It depends on what trophies mean, but I mean, you hear it all the time, the platitudes of players like, oh, we want to win the trophies. I mean, I don't know how many of them really actually genuinely care about winning trophies, other than like being well-paid and playing well and really enjoying their football. I would imagine trophies are a bonus to a lot of them, not all of them. I imagine some of them really, really do want to win trophies. I think trophies comes above money. Once you have a, no, once you have a certain amount of money already made, you're like, well, now I'd like to win a few trophies. I mean, unless you're Asu Akato or these guys who don't care about football, but... I don't know. Well, Kane was seduced by Conte to stay around Spurs because remember when um, Nuno took over, he was gone. He probably yeah. should have gone. Out the gap. Probably should have gone. Sorry, it should, it's not hard. It's hardly news a Spurs player losing, but um, yeah. Well, not um, the Bob is interesting. Can one. I just can I just mention before we move on just Colum's, um, uh your Christmas habits? I was talking about how mm. fun you must be at parties this morning because you revealed your. You're, so you have an Excel sheet now folks if you, if you at home have an Excel sheet for your Christmas buying presents I, I first of all feel sorry for you but, but second of all you're not alone because Colm you talk, to, talk us through this um, the, the process idea, my the, pro, the process behind your, your gift he's obviously buying. got uh, 10 siblings lots of grandkids and um, you know thousands of people to buy yeah. for yeah that my, must be it well my thinking I'm just, uh, I was generous like it, it was gifting presents to people Shane to other people thinking, okay. thinking about other people how that many, the first how many people are on your list um, as you said there it's a lot of family this year a lot of people gathering so I'm getting mixed up about what I'm getting for who right and so I bought in bulk there about a week ago I just went mad in the shops one day like yourself there last night Every, I was just getting so you know, if you buy one thing the momentum is unbelievable oh. like you just keep on buying and buying and buying so then I bought loads of stuff shoved it up there to the top of the wardrobe so people wouldn't see and then I was like oh, I can't remember what I bought for anyone so then took them aside and was like okay I'm going to forget all this so I started an Excel sheet don't knock it, folks. What you do is name, wrapped, yes, no, uh, ordered, delivered, so you know where the status is, because some of them were ordered online, and you can have the price if you want, so your budget is good. Look, laugh all you want. Laugh all you want. You'll, you'll honestly... I will. Is this, the, is this the A-grade content that they got on a slight tangent last night? Listen, oh. you asked. I didn't ask bring you, this you, up. This you, was not in my pre-show plans. Welcome to Kathleen's. Do we have some results in there, Jer? Uh, 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 we had a Twitter poll that was that was put up. Now, call him a Tony, but get him out of there. Seventy-two percent. Oh my god, did that go up? Yeah, that's terrible. Since the, what was the question? Uh, fine, keep him twenty-seven percent. Since he made his debut on the PM show last night and won't shut up about it, should we politely ask at Colin Bowie to leave OTBAM? Hashtag kick Colin out. Seventy-two percent. Get him out of there. Unbelievable. After all, people I've done have spoken. After all, I've done for the show. Yeah, well, you know, if Elon's gonna abide by his. Crappy Twitter polls. Then mm. we should do the well, same. Well, it'd be good. It'd be good to have a bit of time off. You should tweet today. You should ask people if, they, if you oh, should start a spend more time on my Excel sheets. No more time. No, you'll, uh. you'll be unable to sleep every night. Huh? Huh? Oh, you know, what well, you mean? Maybe if we kick you out, Colm, you could you could start your own podcast. You should you should put up a Twitter poll and ask people if you should start a podcast. Like yeah. me and Jimmy Eastlip together. See, see yeah, how it goes. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's good. That gives you a bit more time now with the Excel sheets. A bit of time in January. I wouldn't mind it. Wasn't thinking of a career break yet, but no, no, that's what people want. I'm happy to step aside. Like if, the show's doing fine. If anyone from Microsoft Excel is listening, no. there you go. Yeah, thanks, lads. Yeah, no, I, I, sorry, I haven't tried it, so I'm not going to knock it. Your 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 process, your your Christmas buying process, because I was running around like a headless chicken around the shops last night with the earphones in. I had to listen to music while I was doing it. Like pa- Kathleen was saying, she she walked past me and I didn't notice her whatsoever. I was, like, completely in in this this D zone slash A zone. Um, 
yeah, terrified me. And then queuing up. I think when you're from outside Dublin and you're you're, you're queuing up with all the city people and you're like, <laughs> go what's, on, what's going on here? Like, go on. It, it, it doesn't. It's not a comfortable situation to be in. What being in a queue with with dubs? With dubs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then being in a queue with culties as well can't be too comfortable. But um, there's just something about shopping in Dublin around Christmas that uh, it's a little bit. Um, what's the opposite of life affirming? A little bit scary. A little bit scary. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those things. Where none of us are from from the city, so you can all understand, I guess, where I'm coming from here. It's a scary process, and I think once you once you drive home to Monaghan at Christmas, which will be me now on Friday afternoon, you can feel the weight of the world just slowly leaving you as you as you descend into the, the mist of the north and the, the violent people up there. How many presents is Colin buying that weren't an Excel sheet? Asks Shambles. It's a very good question, Shambles. How many? I told you several for different people. <laughs> several, several, yeah. So between three and five, <laughs> uh, minimum, yeah. But it's more like it's getting into double figures, yeah. All right. You buy little bits for people, you know. Yeah. If you care about people, you put a bit of effort in. That's true, yeah. Yeah, you know. Good lesson. There's something in that. Is good it, lesson. Is it, um, you don't hang your own out to dry, like, you know. Consumer, be one thing. Cons- That'll be one thing to do. Consumerism is, you know? is, uh, is important to you, is it? Mm. No. Uh, appreciation of others would be the top <laughs> of my list. <laughs> do, you, do you lads and a happy Christmas to all. <laughs> I came on here all fine like a good night then I'm attacked by my own no you weren't when attacked. I'm inside you here weren't, you weren't attacked unbelievable oh unbelievable do you lads get emotional at the Christmas ads on TV or do you are you completely do us lads oblivious to it or is uh, capitalism washing over you well, I got emotional about something on TV the other day and it was very random that I did there was the old Christmas ad remember the old man on the moon the John Lewis ad yeah, the, where the, the wee see, girl has the telescope. Yeah, the Lewis ads on. insist upon themselves too much, so I'm like, I know they they're just trying to make me cry. I know. I, I, I did like the one this the skateboarding stepdad. It was figure, very good. It was yeah. quite nice, but uh, no, there was something on TV there the other day, and it was um, I was just choking up. Like happens every so often. The McDonald's ad is it? What one's that? Well, the kids Christmas list blows off into the ether sky. And they have to get McDonald's as a result, and that's it. McDonald's for Christmas is depressing enough, right? I cry over that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with McDonald's. Mm. At Christmas? Really, as, in a, as part of a balanced diet. True. <laughs> um, they were out doing the Christmas shop and it wasn't actually Christmas Day. Why would he have his Christmas list on Christmas Day? Santa's already been. I don't know. Well, it's, it's so you're doing your wrapping on Christmas Eve, aren't you? That's late. What if That's when I do it. I do it at yeah. midnight. I do it when I come home from the pub on Christmas Eve. You'll wrap as you go. Yeah, no, no, no. Wrap no, as you go. Well, that's, you'll, that's, pre- you'll thank yourself Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, you want to relax, like. You want to get into it. Jojo was telling me there in Brazil uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are the two big days and they don't have a boxing day like we would. We don't they have go, a boxing they go, day. They either. go straight back to um What's boxing to work. Day? Stephen's Day. Stephen's Day, sorry. Yeah. Our, our boxing day. They they do Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. No, no, Stephen's Day or it's no. their, their Stephen's Day. Their Christmas day. dinners on Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah. 7.57. <laughs> Happy Christmas, folks. Excel sheets for Prezi's. Love it, but couldn't be ours, says 2009 John B. Serious bit of effort. It's a I'm actually it, it, lads. You should see how minimal the Excel sheet is. Like, there's no formulas designed or anything. It's literally I'm going to forget about all of these presents, and a pen and paper just won't cut it because I'll probably lose it. Let's uh, briefly talk about the um, transfer window that's uh, forthcoming. How excited are you, as Manchester United fans, about what's going to happen? You're seeing some names being they're being linked with. You're seeing Jude Bellingham as one name. Catherine uh, um, there was saying that uh, Real Madrid in pole position £100 million deal it's reported in the papers. He's going to be linked to a number of clubs. I think, I think, I think he'll go Madrid. I, th- I think he'll stay away for a while. I think paper never refused ink. 
I, I, I saw yeah, one uh, yeah, this time of year definitely there's one United Rumours page you follow on uh, on Twitter and uh, Kylian Mbappe was the name being linked with Old Trafford yesterday oh my god that's brilliant <laughs> it's, it's going to be a month of that isn't it and then yeah. signing no one I have to admit Shane I don't know about you I, I just don't care about United transfers right now maybe when the games resume in their, in their numbers it's just at the moment I'm just in that World Cup Recovery phase. I think by yes. by the weekend or by Stephen's day, you know, you 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 lose yourself if you don't get back into it quickly. Well, we have Christmas and then when the window actually opens on New Year's Day, then I'll start thinking about you it. You've got to get back into it. Um, I don't. I, also in January, I'm never really that um, excited about it from United's perspective. Like famously, Evra and Vidic were signed in the January window. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was Berbatov? Was that a January? Oh, no, sure. That was the last day of the August window in 2008. Oh, him and Rubinho on the Rubinho, same day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When Robinho thought he was signing for United. Yeah. That was the most exciting transfer oh, one kind of day I've ever seen. I'd say either that or the January 2011 one, which was Suarez, Torres and Carroll. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torres to Chelsea was as massive at the time. Like, uh, have, the, um, have the transfer windows dwindled in interest because yeah, of def- modern oh. technology and obsession with every detail? Like, we know, we know yeah. the, a deal can't be completed in secret anymore, can it? Uh, no, that's a good point. It's a good point for a slight tangent, actually. Um, that, that is interesting because um, I think Sky Sports News had it to themselves. They sort of had a monopoly yeah. on the coverage, or certainly a duopoly with BBC. But I, I think you're right. Like, like You could argue, like, what's the point of Sky Sports News anymore, the 24-7 news cycle, because social media is so far ahead of it in terms mm. of latest breaking news, so people consume it there. But um, sure, like Sky Sports after the dildo in the year, like, it kind of went down from there. Mm. There's actually a graphic like, to suggest that the interest levels went down. And also they lost Jim White. Yeah, the yellow tie. Thing. But I, I do like a Sky Sports News deadline day still. I do like the yellow bar. Sky have a good old production when it comes to transfers. Frankie de Jong, he'll be, he might sign for United, potentially. I mean, we've heard, he certainly... Has he been linked? I'm His not name sure. was linked again <coughs> to the papers this morning. Though. Right. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today. After the break, Cameron joins us to answer the YouTube comments demanding that we cover more conduct on the show. That's the only reason we're doing it. OTBAM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Minute past eight, Cameron, our own Cameron Hill. That is, that is quite the jersey. As opposed to the other Cameron Hills out there. Yeah, there's plenty of Cameron Hills. If you sure. look up Cameron Hill on um, Google Images, what comes it's up? just, I'm, I'm like... The only one. Yeah, I'm like the, the small moon in Star Wars or the Death Star in this. It, it's all American basketball players, generally African-American. Right. I'm the small speck in my ah, you're not small, you're not national school. You're not, not small. No, I mean in stature, Shane. Stature, in status, yeah, yeah, huge. But you know, why why a Claremont jersey in studio and not a Connacht jersey? I actually don't have a Connacht jersey. And you have a Connacht jersey? No, and there's a very good reason for that. I keep getting them traded. So when I go on away days, I wear like I've been to a few different Ireland games and uh, like abroad. And I always wear a Connacht jersey because, you know, it's also green and, you know, better mm. than an Ireland jersey. It's just a fact. They're lovely jerseys. Uh, so much so that uh, I get approached quite a bit asking, can, can I, do you want to swap jersey? So I got this one, this tidy little number, Claremont jersey, um, at the Champions Cup final this year. Because we went along because uh, I was with a friend in Lyon. And we said, we go down to Marseille for that. And yeah, so I wore my Connacht, a Connacht training so you top. you did have a Connacht top, right? A Connacht training top, Shane. wasn't even a jersey. And someone was like, I'd love a bit of that. A French person? Yes. So you, sw- you gave a French person a Connacht training top in exchange for a Claremont playing jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A beautiful Claremont 
playing jersey. It's a good deal. Such yeah. is the status of Connacht, honestly. Um, which is, I can see the, I, I can see why people get so frustrated that we don't Hipster, talk about them. is that the status? Yeah, yeah, but also Maybe. just, you know, prestigious in their own right. I mean, we're finally talking about them. The, the bows of the rugby world, is that what you're saying? Uh, sort of. I suppose, like, always underappreciated, undervalued as well. Like, there's a reason I think we picked the shortest day of the year to talk about Connacht. Because, you know, just the, the level of disrespect that's shown. But look, we're, we're used to it. We, uh, we let our uh, record speak for itself. and uh, We still have 24 hours in this day, by the way. So, it, I mean, we, we can take our time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the and symbolism isn't lost to me, Shane. Well, was, yeah, Queenie's point, was Queenie's point not, like, on the nose, you know? Uh, you are always giving out. We'll qualify for the bloody Heineken Champions Cup. That is a, a very good point. And I suppose when I go over, <laughs> when I go over this year, um, that's probably one of the big disappointments. Uh, from 2022 for Connacht is that we didn't qualify and we were kind of we went down in flames a little bit How many how many highlights and lowlights do you have for us? I've got three lowlights and three highlights that I've kind of interspersed because I don't want it all to be negative because you know in Connacht It's Christmas In Connacht it's raining quite a bit No Yeah Is it raining Galway? No, it never rains at Galway. Is there traffic? I am surprised that there isn't, hasn't been a move to like put a roof on the stadium because like if you put a roof on the stadium it would be amazing. And like you would then, it would just be the venue for everything. Everything would only We don't want it happen. for everything. Why not? You can't not have a good home record though because of the rain. Well, I, Generally it doesn't, well, that, Yeah, I mean, if you've it seen no that video. It no longer suits their style of play. Mm. Like they, they want to be creative and uh, aggressive with the ball and have, um, and that have been since Pat Lamb's era, yes, really. absolutely. So, but we don't, we, you know, the sports ground's the sports ground. If we, we could use Pierce Stadium, but nah. No, it, sports ground has its own specific atmosphere of greyhound racing track um, with a rugby pitch inside. Like it's perfect. It's it's so unique in its own way. Are they getting rid of the greyhound racing track? Pardon my ignorance here. Is that part of the long term plan, or will it always have a greyhound track? I think it'll always have a greyhound track. Okay. I think it's just it's a permanent fixture. Um, but no, the sports ground. I don't think you could ever change it fundamentally. If we were going to move or change the venue we'd have to go somewhere else because the way that um, ground is set up with the two terraces with absolutely no covering or seating at all it's special because you stand in the rain and you watch Connacht pull off a famous victory against Toulouse or something um, that's the atmosphere we, we don't need the trimmings Is that the coldest um, in-person sporting experience in Ireland at sports ground? Pierre Stadium is up there The Dr Hyde I remember being at a league match Ross Cavanaghan years ago Snavin bad. Snavin is freezing Race course or Park Talton Park Talton Yeah See, there's, there's some horrific experiences this is, a, this is a good question so uh, there will be answers to this one get them into us Healy Park and Oma is at off the ball I am when it's raining sideways I've sometimes it's right in your face it's not, not good Not from uh, personal experience but apparently the gantry at the Brandywell is the coldest thing ever oh, in the yeah. League of Ireland because it's just a ladder and it's in the middle of Well even the Aviva Stadium hasn't Nathan and Stewie Byrne had some had some grim experiences up there in the in the uh, up there because bins of yeah. the Aviva Stadium. That's okay, let's get back to um Connacht here. Right. So the, the, we're gonna start with the bad or we're gonna start with the good? We'll start with we'll start with the bad. We'll go somewhat chronologically. So we started twenty twenty two as we often do, with a, a level of optimism. We were uh riding somewhat high. Uh, on the first of January we beat Monster 10-8 and that was great because we beat Monster and they were having a nice old crisis which is you know Monster's difficulty is always Connacht's opportunity anyway going into the Champions Cup uh, I think we were 
we needed a few wins to qualify for the last 16 and we were leading by 18 points against Leicester at the sports ground, 28-10. Managed to find a way to lose that game in the last minute, so we lose 29-28. To Steve Borthwick. To Steve Borthwick. Uh, it's actually your fault. Look one. Yeah, it is. So uh, I wish him a, every great success as England head coach. Um, we go to Stade Francais. We've lost three of our four props in that Leicester game and then two more in the lead up to this game. So we had no Dennis Buckley, no Finley Beale and Matthew Burke, Robertson McCoy, Ainger, Famuiga. Um, I mean, at a certain point, I was like, should I offer my services as prop? It, like, is that how bad? Are they going to make a call to arms? Because we are hemorrhaging props, it seems. We're in trouble. Went over. Um, Carly was phenomenal that day. Really was fantastic. Uh, we were gifted... Uh, a red card to the Stadist uh, in the second half and we had an 11 point lead. We were going to win in Paris. This was huge, 31-20. Then Conor Oliver gets yellow. Stad get its second win, score two converted tries and a penalty um, for good measure. And we lose 37-31. Just one of those ones where we nearly got there and the odds were against us and turns out the odds were correct. Uh, but it was very frustrating to watch and it was a horrible way to to end our Champions Cup pool campaign, which um, culminated in a last 16 tie against Leinster, which was fun until it wasn't fun. Kind okay. of goals seem to lose in exciting ways, like it's yeah. those leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're box office one way or the other. We are at like, should I say this? I support Leeds United as well. And it's kind of the same thing where win or lose, they're always unmissable games. Yeah. Jesse Marsh and Andy Friend, mm. similar in those regards. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, next. A highlight. So one of the bright sparks of 2021 and 2022 was the arrival of a, an Australian young renegade named Mackenzie Hansen, or Mac to friends. I am a friend. Um, came over to the province from the Brumbies, a real coup by uh, Andy, or Andy Friend, uh, signed back in April of 2021. And he was exploding out of the blocks. He was brilliant. He scored that wonderful try against the Bulls. Had a difficult start to 2022, missed out on his European debut against Leicester and then played in the Stade Francais game, was included in Andy Farrell's Six Nations squad, had an amazing game against Wales, nearly scored with his first touch of the game, um, and set up a couple of tries to you know, hand out a fairly convincing win over the Welsh, which is always satisfying. And These are 2022 highlights, right? Yeah, 2022. I, if you had told me Mac Hansen made his debut for Ireland in 2020 or 2021, I would have been like, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Is it really this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mad. He, yeah, he was included. It was kind of a shock. We were like, oh, wow, Mac is good. And clearly, if he's starting in the first game of the Six Nations, he must be really impressing in training as well. Mm. And he was just, oh, he was electrifying. It's so much fun to watch him. Um, I mean, I was in the Stade de France for France-Ireland in February, and that game felt like it was kind of getting away from us. And then Joey Carberry restarts, Mac Hansen picks it off and scores a try. Like, it was one of the... One of the great whoa moments yeah. um, of 2022, I think, of rugby that I've ever really seen. Just turning that game on a dime like that. He has that kind of X factor and he's just, he's a style icon with uh, the long hair flowing out of a white scrum cap. Like, we're so lucky to have him. Brilliant guy. I like Mike Hansen then. I like so, Mike Hansen. And so, uh, it being Connacht, the clock is ticking on where his next move is to, right? When, when does he uh, join Leinster, do you think? 
Uh, hopefully never. Uh, I don't know if Mac would do that to us. I think he saw the... Have you not had your heart broken enough, Cameron, to know that well, nothing well, lasts forever in this I think he's November seen rain. how poorly the Robbie Henshaw move worked out yeah, for him. Yeah, it didn't work out And uh, has decided, no, not yeah. for me. Connacht's yeah. a golly of McCurry. And uh, he's going to stay where he is. Because we've given him so much. We've given him so much. We, You know, Brumbies, who are they? Australia, what? We gave him a second chance at a rugby career. And by God, did he take it. Uh, all joking aside, though, it has been absolutely sensational. And he absolutely looks the part. I can't believe that was 2022 either. Time is a construct of human perception, of course. But it definitely feels like it was more than this year, this calendar year ago. Yeah. That's the impact he's had. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's been brilliant. Started in two of the um, New Zealand tests as well, down there. So, yeah, you know, he's made an impact. France away was his first, or Paris away was his first uh, away game, according to Mark in the comments. Paris, Paris was his first away game. Paris was his first away game, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, he had his home debut of course. against Wales. Um, moving on to... Hello, uh, Light. Uh, I... I just, I have the title and I'm just going to read it out. We lost 56-8 to Edinburgh. Say that again, Cameron. 56 points to 8. Against to who? Edinburgh. Okay. 50 burger against Embra. Edinburgh. That's not good. No, it wasn't. We were still kind of in search of our Champions Cup berth. We were going to get there. We had to get top 8. This could be a, you know, Edinburgh, they're grand. Mm. We can do this. We'd had back-to-back wins over Scarlet Stormers. We were, we were right high. And then we were leading eight points to nil after 20 minutes. Looked comfortable. Carty running things in attack. Fairly, you know, run-of-the-mill win for Connacht. And then, I don't know what happened. What did happen? Buffelli scored a try and the rest is a blur. And I don't... It's not like I hate-watched it. Like I was like, oh, I'm just going to... I'm doing this for my... uh, To appeal to my own sense of sadomasochism mm. I don't know why I kept watching I was expecting oh maybe they'll get it just kept getting worse and worse and worse like we were 21 points state down at half time and I thought this can't go on they'll come out second half it'll be all fine fail to gather the restart Edinburgh score again yeah I, yeah it was it was like the Ulster game last weekend it's almost like it could have been worse I know 56-8 is mm. horrendous but I mean it could have been worse yeah yeah the What's the stop, stop, he's already dead meme from... Yeah, no amount of deep fried Mars bars can soothe a a result like that for Connacht fans. No, and it's Edinburgh, you know? If it was like Leinster, fine. We'd Um, be fine with this because they are dominant. Respect it. Edinburgh is... That's a team we should be not losing by nearly 50 points to. Keeping with the hipster theme, your next one is the Senior Cup Final. Yeah, yeah, and I picked this just because it's a a nice little community um, aspect to... Connor Rook because we had our first final in two years, first senior cup final in two years. I think we were the only um, province to have a senior cup final in 2020 because everyone else's was cancelled due to a, a, spec, a pesky little yes, joke called COVID-19. Um, but it, the senior cup in Connacht is kind of a special atmosphere. There's two major rugby strongholds in Galway and Sligo and the, like the Jazz are kind of running Galway now at this stage. Um, the grammar, obviously, the Kings and the Tygo, although Summerhill are coming up this year. But there's always a really nice atmosphere. It kind of brings out the tribal, tribalist nature of rugby in, um, at a community level in a way that the AIL does to an extent, but not really in Connacht because we only have a handful of clubs in it. But um, the Senior Cup is special. 
It's always been a special atmosphere, and I unfortunately wasn't there. I was trying to make my way over. You were the grammar. We were the grammar. Yeah. Do you call them the gram or something for short? No, no, that's a, a popular social media app, right, as I sorry, recall. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, but we're the grammar and uh, we won. And that's also why I've included this. Okay. Um, because, yeah, my, my brother was on the team and you know, had, a, had a good game. You had skin in the game. Yeah, I had skin in the game. Uh, and, you know, blood I'm well. nothing if not totally biased. What's the jazz? What the jazz stands for? They're Colossus Ignage. But they're the Jays because I think they're run by the Jesuits. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're not, it's ironic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. you know high level of creativity and nickname. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they gave their nickname, and they yeah. What colour are the they're, grammar? Um, they're a navy blue and white. A lovely bleeding blue and white. Bleeding like the Leinster blue. And, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the greatest horseplay of all time I heard was at that uh, right final, which I wasn't at because I was abroad, but I was listening on. Uh, on local radio, and it sounded incredible. But it's a schools cup just reminds you that it's not all. Connacht is much more than just a team in the sports ground. We have a rich rugby culture throughout the province. Very good, and uh, we're helping to illuminate it today. I mean, I'd say the vast majority of people watching have never heard of these schools, mm. and so your your work here is nearly done, Cameron. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, absolutely. Two um, quick, two quick more bits. We're gonna one bad, one good. Andy Friend stepping away is a big one for me in terms of a low life or low light. Um, he arrived in 2018 after the disastrous tenure of Kieran Keane. wasn't good, wasn't fun. Um, under his tenure, Connacht have reached both the playoff stages of the URC, qualified for the Champions Cup. We got to the knockout stages, and the, the round of 16 first leg against Leinster at the Sports Ground was a class game. It really was. It was really touch and go. Um, the second leg not so much but it just shows that Friend really got Connacht when he came in um, he kind of carried on the project that Pat Lamb had started he's got a calm assured presence as a head coach and subsequently director of rugby he's like a, the Dick Winters from Band of Brothers role which is just a real steady hand um, great comparison collected calm inspires those around him never really um <sighs> Never really gets too shook up by what's going on in front of him. Just stays focused, even when things are crumbling around him. Um, he's carried on that resist, irresistible uh, all-action brand of attacking rugby that was first pioneered by Pat Lamb. And he's been a great mentor to players like Jack Carty. Um, I remember being at the RDS in 2018 when we played Leinster, and Carty was phenomenal that game and we ended up losing by two points I think and in the press room afterwards you could just see how disappointed Jack was but Friend was like not necessarily a shoulder to cry on but a good support you could tell that like it was all gonna be, this was the start of something this was not a huge disappointment I'd like to see less of these uh, managers heralding the exit I know it, like it's nice to have a long goodbye but like we saw with Van Gran as well and Andy Friend it. It has to impact on a player when they know that the head coach is stepping down at the end of the end of the season. I get the point. Okay, we'll we'll give them a bit of time here. People, uh, oh, we're fairly sure that we know who the that the next head coach is in the building already. And yeah. that there's a seamless transition to power here. Yeah, it's fair. I suppose he wants his. This is a different scenario, I think. It's yeah, also it's, not a crisis. Yeah, it's true. And he's he's not leaving because uh, he's not he hasn't agreed to stay, and then changed his mind yeah. when money bags in England have come offering money whereas this is like absolute legend yeah, who fair. has who has like taken people built this band of brothers 
and um, continue the easy company and anointed a successor yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, I, I think this is a, it's one of those scenarios where it's good that you have somebody sticking around and yeah, well, long. if anyone deserves a goodbye it's, it's Andy Friend to be I fair mean, clearly has a deep love for the province itself geographically like he's talked many times about how much he's really gotten to love Galway mm. over his time there and like his social media is awash with images of beautiful um, Atlantic Ocean views so yeah, it is sad to see him go. It's really, really sad because he's clearly someone we love and like I feel like that love is reciprocated. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what his future is or how involved he's going to get. Um, like he clearly has still has a giant rugby brain, but I don't know if you could do worse than like, you know, help him stay um, in somehow associated with like scouting players uh, in that part of the world who have Irish connections. Yeah. I'm sure there's been some conversations around it, but okay. And then the final highlight? Uh, having five Connacht players on that New Zealand summer tour was quite a big one. Uh, so with Dave Heffernan and Keen Prendergast who were involved in the Maori games and then Finley Bielham, Bundiaki and Mac Hansen um, on the proper test team. Like that's huge for Connacht. There was a time, like when I started following them and really started getting into rugby, there was a time where Connacht players weren't getting within like 10 miles of an Ireland team. Mm. It just wasn't happening. Um, and we were kind of toiling away on our own, getting the odd victory in a Challenge Cup. Um, the odd player who, oh, he could, he could, he could maybe go over to Leinster and maybe make the Ireland team. That that was like, that was the high watermark for us, and that was what we aspired to. So through a mixture of incredible scouting and a brilliant academy structure, we've started to bring on these players who are are making a name for themselves on the Irish stage. Not and. Without us winning a huge, unexpected level of silverware like we did in 2016, and then we had a few token Connacht players thrown into an Ireland squad because, you know, they earned it, didn't they? Good on them. Yeah. Like, we have these guys going in on merit and really making yeah, these an impact. They're not patronising inclusions, they're actual yeah, legitimate like, earned inclusions. They're becoming, like, crucial to the success of an Ireland team, which is so inspiring like from my perspective and I know from the province as a whole it's just brilliant to watch um, this time next year when we next speak about Connacht on the show uh, what, what will you hope to have um, what will you look back on as the highlights uh, we'll be looking back on 2023 Cop- Challenge Cup win 2023 Challenge Cup win um, Mac Hansen and whether he'll be able to keep up the form after the winning drop goal in the World Cup final mm. that'll be interesting we'll be talking about that and whether you know the so wild of him to try it from the 70 metre line as well yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and goal. like it's got whip and dip I feel that drop goal um, yeah I'm hoping we get the Challenge Cup this year to be honest I know we have it within us and it'd be a great parting gift to friend it's in Dublin as well it's in Dublin as well yeah um, which you know, we're not you know if we could get that move to Galway that'd be great but um, we'll take Dublin. But uh, yeah, I'd like a bit of silverware in his final year and I'd like the Connacht players who are in the Ireland squad to really make make waves at the World Cup. Okay, and over the uh, Christmas break, I think uh, Ulster is when, this Friday? Yes. Friday and then Connacht on New Year's Day and then the Sharks and then Breathe. So it's like a tricky four to six next fixtures actually. There, I know Ulster will be hurting but I think we can take them at the sports ground. We're We've uh, a couple of wins on the bounce now between the Challenge Cup and the URC. Uh, yeah, the Ulster just kind of look like a mess. And uh, in post-show meetings, I haven't 
Um, I've made my feelings known about how I feel about the Ulster team, so I think we can do that. The other games might be a bit beyond us, but if we can win, if we can keep the sports ground at the fortress that it is, um, I think I'll be happy enough. Uh, Daddy Max says, sports ground, a stadium, very loose use of the word, more like a field meadow or paddock. Uh, Connacht do need a stadium, stadium upgrade, says Greg London. They're getting it though. The College Road and Bohemore Terrace ends are a nightmare on a wet and windy night. And um, there you go. That's sports it. ground paddock doesn't have the, the same... The sports ground paddock. Draw it or lure to but it, does it? In fairness, like it has, it was, uh, it was of its time. Mm. They're fixing it and um, they fixed this, the pitch first, so it's always going to be great for them. Yeah, it's like an AIL ground, but a little bit more, which is kind of the vibe we go for. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you want. Uh, Shifty Lad says, I swear, lads, Ockram is so cold, no shelter apart from a stand that's got a draft in it, it would skin you. Uh, it's relatively high, I think. Am I, am I right in this? Elevation-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels yeah. like it's quite high when you're going from, when you're going up the hill into Rathnew and then you keep going across to Ockram. Um I don't know. And there's some exposed, like even I'm thinking of GA pitches up in Donegal, Kilcar being one of them right on the Wild Atlantic Way there. You can see the ocean coming in. They've got to be ex- like extremely cold on a on a certain given day. Coastal temperatures, you know, you know, a bit higher. Sometimes. Maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, th- th- there have to be some cold, cold spots. We've named a few of them for sure. Yeah. All right, Cameron, good stuff. 24 minutes past eight this morning. OTBAN brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today. On balance, though, you seem relatively uh, uh, hopeful about where Connacht are going. Absolutely. Uh, there was a fear at the start of even this year. I was like, oh no, are we going back? Are we regressing a little bit? And now Friend is leaving too. This feels like we might fade a little bit into obscurity. Um, I'm actually reading Warren Gatlin's book at the moment and where they came from because that's sort of the start of the modern Connacht and he is such an integral part of um, their journey and him talking about the community the community is the important part of Connacht and there was a time during Kieran Keane's tenure that I thought oh this is all going to go away again it's going to be Galway centric and the rest of the province is going to be forgotten Mm. but Friend has done so much to to bolster that again, and I just hope that um, the the provincial board and uh, the higher ups see the potential there and see the importance of fostering that community. I think they do. There's no alternative for them really, and like the best thing for them is for Connacht to become powerful and strong and good and keep producing three to five players for the national team. That'd be amazing. Uh, Justin Flynn says well done Cameron pretty the lads were slightly condescending at times only slightly so do you know what Justin it's what we expect like condescension is the is the air we breathe unfortunately I'm even we just Connacht, have to power I'm through I'm green this morning I'm yeah but it's, it's a man on harps jersey it's a man on harps no. uh, James Gibbon says give Cameron a job full time you can have Colm's job when Colm joins the evening show obviously yeah yeah I mean he's he's on his way out isn't he I heard oh yeah. absolutely the contracts are on the table Right, it is uh, 26 minutes past eight. It's time for Around the World with Shane Hannon. Everyone's favourite time of the week? Everyone's favourite time? Yeah, well, my favourite time of the week. Um, Around the world where we visit some uh, exotic locations on this globe of ours and... 
uh, maybe visit some of the, the sporting stories we may have missed from around the world across the last seven days or so. I'm fairly loose with the with the links, quite tenuous they can be at times, but it's our quirky sporting segments segment that we love to do once a week on OTB AM. Uh, I'm going to start this week, Jer, in the United States of America. Bit of baseball for you, sport we don't get to touch on too often on, on the show, but um, Aaron Judge, he's a baseball player, uh, his record-breaking 60-second home run ball has been sold at auction. It got me thinking about sporting memorabilia and items and how much they're worth and what price we, we put on them. Like We were talking on the show the other morning about Kylian Mbappe's hat-trick ball. I assume he picked up the ball for his hat-trick. Well, yeah. He surely did. It's obviously like 15 different balls used during the game. So. Yeah, but it's, I guess it's a World Cup final ball. Hopefully yeah. someone had the, the sense to get him the ball and get the French team to sign it for him. Uh, but th- this record-setting home run ball sold for $1.5 million. Uh, the prized memorabilia offered by Golden Auctions. The bidding closed on Saturday night. So a guy called Corey Eumanns, now he's a very uh, well-to-do man himself, who happened to catch the ball in the left-field seats at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, uh, a number of months ago. He turned down a private offer of $3 million because he said, I want to give people a fair chance at buying it. Uh, so put it up for auction. Ends up only making $1.5 million. Um, but as I said, this guy's quite rich anyway. He just happened to catch the ball. So you can't feel too sorry for him. Um, so he set this American league record of 62 home runs uh, on October 4th in Texas. So this surpassed Roger Maris's 61-year-old mark of 61 back in 1961. Um, so, it, look, it's one of those things. There's there's a YouTube channel even my brother watches. Zach Hempel is the guy's name, where he goes around different baseball grounds in America just trying to catch baseballs and uh, positioning himself in certain parts of the ground where he can make that possible. And the collection of balls, the thousands of balls he has, uh, some of which are quite famous, like when you catch a home run ball or a record-setting home run ball like this, um, clearly then that ball can be sold at auction for a for pretty pretty penny. So it's a job, essentially. Yeah. Going down to these baseball grounds and trying to catch the ball. Sometimes he gives them off to young kids who maybe, when he gets a, when he gets an extra... Um, the, the number 62, the 62 home runs that Aaron Judge uh, achieved back in October, it, it's not actually a record. Um, Major League Baseball players have on occasion hit more homers in a season. We've got Sammy Sosa with 66, Mark McGuire with 70, and Barry Bonds with 73. Um, now, the asterisk that is placed over those three uh, is that they were linked to allegedly using performance enhancing drugs. Uh, Barry Bonds, the, the home run king. Uh, as he was dubbed, uh, convicted back in 2011, I think it was, of obstruction of justice for lying to a grand jury about using steroids and human growth hormone. Um, so that's why the 62 home runs of Aaron Judge is actually an historic number. A little bit of, um, so Aaron Judge obviously uh, signed a fat contract, like is it 350 million for 10 years with the Yankees, but he was supposed to sign with San Francisco Giants. He was always like, ah, oh, San Francisco was my favourite team when I was a kid, I always wanted to sign for them. And then all of a sudden the Yankees came in with a, ooh, this is your offer. Yeah. Overnight, uh, overnight, the San Francisco Giants had um, Carlos Correa, who was going to be his replacement in. Mm. And like, oh, don't worry, everybody, calm down. Okay, so we didn't get Aaron Judge. We're going to get Carlos Correa. And then uh, Carlos Correa just signed for somebody else overnight as well. So the San Francisco Giants fans, not so happy this morning. That's twice they've been jilted, but... Um, the fickle, fickle nature of sport... Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Baseball fans often get let down by big money, and the money in baseball is quite quite insane, which is why this this story caught my eye. Now, that uh, Mark McGuire I mentioned, um, his 70th home run ball from 1998 was sold for $3.05 million back in 98 to Todd McFarlane, 
the amazing Spider-Man comic book artist and writer. Uh, he's the one who bought it. Uh, that was uh, the most expensive ball ever and, and record still stands. So yeah, one and a half million. Got me thinking. What do you have out there in your closet? What do you have that's sitting at home that could be worth a pretty penny? I'm someone that, that like to collect autographs and little bits of, of memorabilia. I have a piece, bit of dirt from Fenway Park in a little bag. They were doing up the pitch and some of the red dirt there. Have you ever tried to get a valuation on any of this stuff? No, I do. I have a Muhammad Ali signed love that his manager gave me in Vegas over the summer that I would imagine is probably the one of the more expensive items. Is it? Uh, you see, some of them are up on, on eBay for certain prices, um, but because of the provenance, which is the proof you have that yeah. it's authentic, I mean, being given to me by, by his manager is, is my provenance and proof, so... I don't know what the price of an, of an Ali signed love is, but it's it's something that's only going to um, go up in value, I'd imagine, over the years. Definitely, people at home have have and people watching this morning have, have things worth. One hundred and forty-five euros on eBay at the moment see, for a signed love. See, a lot of those are like show me the certificate of authenticity, show me the the things that prove that that's Ali's signature, and it's not just a copy or someone sitting in their basement practicing his signature over and over. Yeah, I've got the proof, Jer. So that's uh, look, money can't buy happiness either, and it's it's sitting at home and fifteen hundred is another one. Maybe that's is that getting closer. That's to getting closer. Oh, I'm interested now. That's getting closer. Yeah, yeah, I still wouldn't wouldn't part with it. Um, but that's story number one, Jer. Do you have anything at home? Cassius Clay signed Everlast Glove. Ah, uh, yeah, the 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 old signature. One thousand four hundred and twenty six euros. See, it's the same with uh, with Buzz Aldrin. So Buzz Aldrin, he his, changed his name as well. Well, yeah, his 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 real name is Edwin Aldrin. Um, Edwin Eugene Aldrin and when he was younger when he was a kid I think his, his little sister couldn't pronounce the word brother she used to call him Buzzer and that was shortened then to Buzz right. and he became Buzz of course which is a great astronaut name makes sense and, and hence Buzz Lightyear became who he was in Toy Story but um, he, he often signed he's of course still signs as Buzz Aldrin but if you can find an old signature of Edwin Aldrin it's worth way more ah, it's worth more and it's, uh, it's certainly signed in the, in the 60s, 70s that kind of era so tell us your stories of sports tat this morning and we'll uh, we'll try and put a value on your sports tat indeed we're next headed in around the world this morning on this Wednesday morning to Dubai um, Scott McTominay is uh, getting himself in a little bit of bother there's a photograph on screen of him uh, holding a, a rope in a, in, a, in a tug of war scenario now at the other end of that rope was a full-blown tiger at an exotic zoo. So, uh, taking some advantage, Scott, of his uh, time off before the return of Premier League action, he head to Dubai with his girlfriend. Uh, fair enough. Uh, paid a visit to this uh, private fame park, it's called, to get up close and personal with a number of exotic animals. Um, some, some snaps shared by McTominay on his uh, social media account uh, raised a few eyebrows. Um, fairly innocent in some quarters, some people didn't seem to care or notice uh, he's petting monkeys he's uh, got a snake around his neck um, but after posting this photo, uh, footage and photos from the trip some animal charities and football fans as well um, were lining up to um, express their disappointment with the Scotland international midfielder um, Catherine Wise of World Animal Protection saying it's disappointing these incredible animals are not commodities to gain likes on social media captive wild animals face a lifetime of suffering just for the enjoyment of tourists, wild animals are not ours to exploit, they belong in the wild. Another uh, from the Four Paws charity said, It's so upsetting to see someone who so many people look up to acting in this way. And the Humane Society International saying, Facilities excuse their human versus beast experiences, like tug of war, as helpful for, uh, for welfare by mimicking natural behaviours. But it does have a, a strange vibe to it. And I looked up this uh, this Fame Parks website and the uh, the guy in Dubai who runs it. And the entire social media, massive following in social media, but they're all like footballers and 
celebrities and it's like he just brings in people with a with a large social media following to get the photos take the picture post it on their social media and increase awareness of this this park in Dubai so perhaps inadvertently Scott McTominay has landed himself in a little bit of bother yeah uh, uh, okay yeah. James, James Cruz has a Brazil jersey signed by Jarzinho and DJ Carey. Oh, right. Sorry, by Jarzinho and DJ Carey. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely a unique piece, a one of a kind piece. Um, <laughs> I used to, yeah, I, that, that's that's a very good one. Matty Cash has um, Messi and Mbappe from this World Cup. Right. Put them together. Yeah, uh, the jerseys. Put them together in the same thing. Get them signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anyone you would um, obviously we're professional in this in this uh, broadcasting game? But is there anyone you would actually ask no. for an autograph or selfie? No, no. Oh, for a selfie? Well, either one. Yeah. Well, um, so you dismiss autograph there as if nah. Well, not 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 sports related. You can't, you can't do it in sport. True. Yeah, yeah. For professionalism reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who would you do it outside of, like outside of sport? Uh, I'll I'll give me two names. Stevie Van Zandt was upstairs. I got one with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big Sopranos fan. Fair, like, fair, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, I'm just completely blanking on his name. I'm uh, a big Breaking Bad fan, so I did get um, Brian Cranston at once, selfie with him. Where was that? That was over in London at a book signing. He was signing autographs, and we bonded over the fact that he has ancestry in uh, County Armagh. And I was like, I'm pretty close to County Armagh. You, you bonded. I was he born was like, in County Armagh, in fact. So we, we Here's my shtick, stay away. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, no personal space. Yeah. <laughs> Friends with Heisenberg. I'm going to stick that on my on my LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, there's certain people I regret it. I remember Roger Moore was in the office one day uh, before he passed away, and I and I didn't get a photo with him, and I I regretted that. I reg- I did regret it. I was like, was that that was little Bono lookalike in in uh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> it fooled a lot of people, I think, in 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 the uh, in the office. We still haven't collected our winnings on that not being him. Anyway, yeah. Go on next. Yeah. So we'll move on to uh, well, back to America. In fact, the USA. Camille Heron is not a name uh, that most of you will, will be familiar with. That's her in the uh, the image on screen if you're watching us. Um, she put her heart and soul into breaking the 100-mile world record, but officials now say the course was too short. Can you imagine this? So she crossed the finish line at the uh, Jackpot Ultra Running Festival's 100-mile race in Henderson, Nevada. This was back in February, uh, and she did so as the outright winner. She beat all the male competitors as well, world record time. Um, so a staggering average pace for 100 miles consider this of 7 minutes and 37 seconds per mile so her time of 12 hours 41 minutes and 11 seconds almost a minute and a half faster than the record she had previously set back in 2017 but as far as the record books were concerned her efforts appeared to be in vain in October they remeasured the course which looped around Henderson's Cornerstone Park and then officials from USA Track and Field deemed it was short by 716 feet which is 218 metres you imagine running 100 miles and being told months later after your world record has been set, ah, sorry, you were 716 feet short. Now, she has, and the reason I'm talking about it now is because she has only recently come out uh, criticising these inaccuracies as wrong. She said, I definitely wanted to count as a record because I put my heart and soul into it. Such an historical moment for the sport. She remains adamant that she ran at least 100 miles that day. That view is shared, of course, by her husband and coach, Connor Holt. She, um, uh, Holt said it was a public park on the day she was having to weave around people so you know, people out walking their dogs there was baby strollers the park was full it wasn't a set course on the day so 716 feet or 218 metres they argue 
was easily made up in the weaving around people and yeah. things and yeah, items, come on, which I think is fair. Um, and and then the race director uh, is it not like a little chip that she could have been wearing that would have done exactly this. Well, this that would have you know. Uh, solved everything you'd, you'd imagine. Get the stats sports crew on it, and they'd be like, "Oh no, it's 101 miles." What are you yeah. talking about? They just use the they just use the course, which doesn't seem too accurate or too um, technical. But the, the co-race director said the, uh, the course was remeasured by a course uh, measurement official on February 27th, certified as 100.00396 miles, which was accurate. Eight months later, then the course was remeasured once more and yielded this distance shy of uh, 100 miles. Um, but of course, she believes now that the that the record from from uh, back in February and the course measurement from February should stand. So, look, I feel for anyone who's run a marathon or even run five k, to be told that it was feet short, it would it would ruin your happiness. But to run a hundred miles, and then to be told, nah, sorry, your 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 record doesn't stand. Um, Martin Sheen was in the office. He was another one that I. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Apocalypse now. That's really it. Yeah, there's there's a couple that I would definitely. Um, I would get the selfies with autographs and followed Quentin Tarantino into the cinema one time. Did you? Did yeah. Bit creepy. Bit creepy. But well, we were just there was there was a few of us, so it was fine. Did you didn't get a photo? No. He doesn't do photos. Quentin doesn't. No. Did you say hello to him or get a chance? We were to? watching other people ask for photos, and he was like, "Oh, I don't really do that, but I'll take your hand." And we were like, "That's creepy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Yeah, when it's that organised, it's not great. Um, I remember that someone got the Mayo jersey and was it Knock Airport signed by Pope Francis? Like that's uh, you're talking about the Jarzinho and DJ Kerry thing. That's a unique num- a one of one item. Someone out there has a jersey, a Mayo jersey signed by the Pope. Yeah, so, I mean, not a huge. Maybe there is a big market for that. Maybe that's a huge. Oh, Pope signatures on online are are they big? That's big, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a big, uh, right. big thing. And U.S. presidents is another massive, massive one. Barack right. Obama's signature is fairly uh, financially lucrative if you can get it. Is it? Yeah. Who's buying this crap? I mean, the first African-American president, that's going to be worth something it's in 50, just, it's just, years. He just signed something. Like, what? I know, but if you, someone handed you a piece of paper right now signed by... Um, like you can go to the, the National Museum and see certain items signed by, you know, East Horizon leaders or the treaty signed by, by Collins. That is like an actual historical document as opposed to a scrap of paper. You know, the, the bit where he signed uh, Obamacare into law, right? That document. Or the Good Friday Agreement signed... F- F- a friend of mine has a copy of the Good Friday Agreement signed by everybody who was involved in it, and um, I think that's an important historical document. Like an original I can, signature. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whoa! But like, you know, I got your autograph, sir, in my autograph book. I'm sorry, this is your entire youth. I'm pissing on here. I don't mean to. No, but no, no. But I, I see. Not, your, I don't see the. For you, it's important, right? I see your point. Well, I, I have photographs of astronauts on the moon signed by them, so that's an, a document, I guess. It's not a document. It's it's a fo- it's a photo of them in context. Yeah. But then right. again, like if you have a piece of paper signed by Joseph Plunkett or James Connolly, just a piece of paper. I mean, it's still an historical document. Years later, hundred years later. Uh, okay. We'll agree to disagree. Autographs. If you're collecting autographs out there, listen to me. Hold on to them. Don't listen to Jer. And the final place we're going with uh, around the world on uh, this morning's segment is to Portugal. Uh, that guy in that photograph. Um, his name is Matt Formston. The um, the thing about him is he's blind. Look at the size of the waves behind him. So this is in, uh, he's an Australian surfer. This is in Portugal, uh, one of the uh, the Holy Grails, Nazaré in uh, in Portugal, where people go for, for some of the, the hugest waves in the world. Now imagine doing that with, with full eyesight and then imagine trying to do it um, blind. He's one of the best disabled surfers in the world, 44 years of age, Matt Formston, this Aussie. Um, he's always dreamed of being a professional surfer. Uh, he's got macular dystrophy in his eyes. So he says he grew up with full vision 
And then when he was about five years old, lost 95% of his peripheral vision, which is the outsides of your vision, of course, and all of his central vision. As he says, if you put your fist in front of your, uh, your eyes, which blocks out all of your central vision, I can only see the outsides. But of that, if you blurred it out, make it blurry, it's all blurry, like rubbing your windscreen with uh, with sandpaper, as he describes it. Um, so this was in November at the age of 44. He added, surfs Holy Grail in Portugal, waves up to 12 metres tall to his uh, collection. Um, as he puts it, most sighted surfers don't really want anything to do with uh, the waves in uh, Nazareth and Portugal. Uh, he, he doesn't consider himself exceptional. He says, when conditions are really good, many surfers stay out well after the sun goes down. So they surf like me in the dark. I just do it every day. Um, I think he's downplaying his achievements there. Uh, he trained extensively for this as well, worked on his breathing, ultimately able to hold his breath for up to five minutes, which is quite extraordinary. Um, jet skis towing, out to the, towing him out to the spot where the waves break. Uh, a really, really incredible human being. Uh, and his next dream is to see parasurfing making its Paralympic debut in 2028 in Los Angeles. So that's his hope. Um, he is someone who uh, has already been at the Paralympic Games. He was a cycling Paralympian in the 2016 Games in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. So really impressive person and I thought uh, deserved a mention because uh, when you look at those waves and the photo of him on the water and you consider the fact that he has uh, very little eyesight, it's uh, quite extraordinary. Those waves are absolutely amazing. Right, that's this week's episode of Around the World with Shane Hannon. Uh, okay, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Carl Milani is with us. Carl, good morning to you. How are you? How are you doing, lads? How's it going? Uh, Stephen Donlan says, I randomly found a signed book with a signature cert by Gianfranco Zola in an antique shop in Athlone. Not worth much at all, but means a lot to me being a Chelsea fan. What, um, do you have any sporting memorabilia? Not, not a whole lot, actually. Um, actually, that you mentioned a signed book, I bought Clive Tilsley's book last week and I got it and it was signed ah lovely delivered to me yeah so um, did you know it was signed that. when you bought it no ah no um, is that an increase or decrease the value of the increase for sure is it yeah yeah, is it, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Increased not sure, value. I'm not sure <laughs> ah yeah signed by the author yeah 100%. I suppose yeah um, memorabilia I was at a few Irish Opens and like you get an Irish Open hat and you'll go around and get it signed yeah. by the golfers I was at um, actually at 07 and 09 Harrington one and zero seven and Lowry one and zero nine, um, so at the golf tournaments they the players like they'd walk off the eighteenth green or whatever and there'd be a little bit of a, the I remember at Baltre anyway where the people just line the sides as they walk from the eighteenth green to the scorers or whatever to sign their cards, and uh, the smart players will take a cap at the start of the walk. And they'll walk with the cap, so you have, to, you have to chase after them to get it back. Yeah. That means they don't have to stop and sign everyone, so they'll walk and sign. Oh. Very, yeah, Lee Westwood did that. Now. Just signed one autograph. Yeah, so my brother was there with me, and he got... Lee Westwood only picked one or two caps, but he picked my brother's cap, and he had to run after him to get it back off him at the end of the thing. Ah. Yeah, so there's the experience. That's uh, not nice. I think sports people, and people generally in the public eye, if, you know, someone well, an autograph. Did, yeah. you get, did you get Larry's from 09? I didn't. He was out in the okay. course at the time. Tiger's Tiger signature is, is worth a, a nice little bit of money as well. Is it? Depending on the item. Like Again, it, it's ah, all yeah, context. It scrap be, of paper yeah. mightn't be the same, but if you have a Tiger Woods signed golf ball, well, it's tough to sign on, on, across the dimples, but it's not like signing a baseball or, or a basketball, but um, I would say that that's worth a, worth a yeah. few quid. Or a flag from one of the majors. Like an Augusta yeah, I have flag. a flag from the Irish Open in 07 when Harrington won. I got his autograph that time. I was chuffed with that. Did you just nick it? No, 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 no. I knew someone that got it. 
that was given so to they me. nicked it and yeah. you were like in yeah. a seat of stolen goods so I have it in a drawer at home <laughs> that's what I have signed um, by Harrington yeah and then, then okay that's like that's yeah. that's the type of stuff that many publicans around the country would um, would purchase from you yeah, yeah. and yeah. when you get your own pub you can put on the wall obviously because that's God, what it's yeah. all about I keep yeah. I keep newspapers from different events as well that's um, a, you see, that's a, I, I do the same generally yeah, speaking yeah. do you keep like you do a lot of GM matches keep uh, programs and I have loads of programs yeah uh, yeah you're a hoarder um, like me the the Christmas tree that my folks have was wrapped in paper and it's it's a you know one of the artificial trees from seven years ago so 2015 and it was a January newspaper obviously they were wrapping it back up and the headline is who will replace Johnny Sexton <laughs> oh my word wow yeah. I was like I mean, that's that, that mad could been, that could have been picked up out of the that is mad from today yeah but we're, we're not even talking about that anymore like it's it's a, rele- a relevant conversation. Yeah, fantastic. I've got a, I've got a snooker cue, um, on my room, my bedroom wall at home in Monaghan, and uh, it's hung up by a couple of pegs and signed by Ronnie O'Sullivan, Jimmy White, and John Virgo. Very nice. It's lovely yeah. exhibition. So yeah, it's lit. It's a, it's it, like there's no point having the cue. I have a cue that I play with as well, play badly with, but that cue is is just untouched. Did either of you ever like pick grass off the pitches or the stadiums that you've been? Ah, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Wasn't the wasn't Graham Hunter telling us the story about? Was it PK? Yeah, cutting the, the nets. Yeah, which I, is obviously a thing because the Argentine. Yeah, they did that whole thing. Yeah, I see why they want it. These things just it's it's a it means a lot to people. You know, when I was a kid and used to be at the old Lansdowne Road and getting autographs off some of the Irish teams before they went in the bus. Like certain players were very nice. Like Kevin Caban was always very pleasant. Stop for people and sign yeah. as many autographs as you wanted. So you can't you never forget that sort of stuff. No, you like, don't. I said it to Kevin. We ended up working together. You were very nice. Yeah, well, we saw the picture. Yeah. There, there you go, go Shane. Nice one. Never what else going on, Carl? Uh, a few different bits and pieces. Uh, Carabao Cup tonight, Manchester United in action. They play Burnley, Brighton and Charlton Blackbird against Nottingham Forest. The other matches tonight, Newcastle uh, won last night. They beat Bournemouth 1-0. Southampton 2-1 winners over Lincoln City. Gavin Bazuni scoring an own goal there for Southampton, but they still won by two goals to one. Leicester beat MK Downs 3-0 and Wolves overcame Gillingham by two goals to nil. Uh, drama in the Scottish Premiership where Rangers scored twice deep into at a time to beat Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen by three goals to two. Leader Celtic will restore their nine-point advantage if they beat Livingston this evening. Here at home, some uh, movement on the transfer front. Shelburne have confirmed that Abby Larkin will leave the club. Shamrock Rovers believed to be her likely destination. And Pat Fenlon poised for a return to Bohemians as director of football. In Gaelic Games, the Galway hurling manager Henry Shefflin will have to plan without Johnny Cohn for the new season. He's retired from the inter-county game at the age of 31, an All-Ireland winner in 2017. Plenty of Irish involvement on day six of the PDC World Darts Championship today. John O'Shea in action against Darius Labanowskis this afternoon and Antrim's Josh Rock also on stage this afternoon against Callan Rids. Then this evening, <coughs> O'Connor goes up against Germany's Gabriel <coughs> Clemens in the evening session alongside Michael Van Gerwen, who plays the Welsh qualifier Louis Williams and there's an eight race card at Ferry House today first off there at 25 to midday and at Dundalk the first off there at a quarter past four uh, Is there a, a Sligo Christmas tradition a, a dip a run mm. a gold mile around um, the golf mm, Is there Not really uh, There's like a a horse hunt they used to call it it's not a hunt anymore but like all these horses and people with horses tend to gather in like the my home village and they go for a trot down by the sea uh, about I don't know three or four miles so we go out and watch that in St Stephen's Day that's probably the only tradition Do you take it for granted living in a coastal county? 100% yeah See I, I, I think that'll be great Monaghan's landlocked 
Yeah, like I never. Double, what's the only doubly landlocked county in Ireland? There's one, isn't there? Is it Offaly or Leash? I can't remember. One of them is the du- the only doubly landlocked where none of the counties that touches. When you think that it's kind of made up, because even if you do touch a county that touches the sea, like what's the difference? Yeah, you know, exactly. You can, you can still drive. Like <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Really, it, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things we learn in school. That's a like, pub quiz fact. It is. That is it. It's like. That is it, yeah. Uh, Bobby Dwyer says, I've got a pair of shoes worn and signed by Ian Poulter, who's now blocked me on Twitter for questioning him going to live tour and taking the Saudi money. <laughs> Life comes at you fast, Bob. There you go. Um, they're going to be able to play in the Masters. Yep. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually worked out very well for the majors, hasn't it? Because it's the only time we're going to see the, the top players all together. And there's going to be such anticipation. And if there's more tension between the players between now and then as well, it's only going to add to it. Um, so, yeah, no surprise there, really. No surprise. One last thing, Abby Larkin, uh, Shell star is actually not re-upping with Shell. She's joining Shamrock Rovers. Mm. Yeah, it's big news. And considering all the players that Shamrock Rovers have signed, the colour of the players that they've signed, they've really made a strong start. And, you know, people are talking whether, can you go from, like, not having a team to winning the league in the first season? I'm not sure. But given the calibre of the squad with Onya Gorman and Stephanie Roach and, and now Abby Larkin, who's, you know, one of the brightest prospects we have in the country, uh, the fact that she's heading there as well, it looks like now, is a big, big boost. Big, big boost. For Rovers. And obviously then, if she does sign for an English club after that, Rovers will end up getting the lion's share of the money because of the um, the contractual situation. Or at least that's the way it appears to me at the moment. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but it certainly seems that that is the way, unless there's some developmental money as well. Uh, one last thing that um, we should just briefly touch on here. The league crowds at the SSC Artricity Games have increased by more than 200,000. And you're like, is that good? Is that bad? Is that a huge amount? This is measuring like on like from 2019, but it's a 29% increase. So this growing sense that we have that the league is getting better, that there's a more viable product, that more people are interested in it, that more people are actively participating in support of teams, that's a real thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it's the interesting thing about that crowd increase is... It's virtually across the board. I think there was a handful of clubs that went down, but like some, I think Galway United trebled the fans that were at their games. Uh, Cork City were in the first division, had one of the highest average attendances in their back in the Premier next season. There is definitely something happening uh, with the game in Ireland at the moment, and in the I think there's a lot of good work going on with the the three leagues, the the women's Premier and then the the men's first division and the Premier division as well. And you have the prospect next season of the new stand at Tallaght Stadium being finished. That'll bring the capacity up and we could have record crowds uh, at one-off fixtures. You could consider uh, Shamrock Rovers against Bowles, for example, you would think might sell out. Uh, you could have 10,000 at that sort of a game at Tallaght Stadium. So onwards and upwards. And if we can, uh, the Brexit thing and keeping players here, the younger players here as well, longer, uh, also adds to it. So definitely there's a huge sense of momentum around the league at the minute alright good stuff Carl thanks, thanks so much thanks, for that it's 8.53 if you want to get in touch we'd love to hear from you 87 180 is the WhatsApp number and uh, you can also get us on youtube.com forward slash off the ball if you want to leave a comment there we will get to those in just a moment or two but um, very briefly some of your back page headlines Rashford signs new contract this is the extra year that they've triggered the Hay talks continue do you want the Hay to stay or go? Uh, for less money I think there's talk that he'll, t- he'll take a contract cut and I think he's quite um, open to taking a pay cut uh, and if t- stay no Who, wrong Jan, answer Jan Sommer is the name that's been that's been linked he's, he's not he's not the right keeper for what Ten Hag is trying to do good keeper if he's your sub keeper and you're paying him sub keeper money you'd be like wow that's not, not bad I'm happy yeah. with that but he, would, he wouldn't allow himself to be a sub keeper no exactly so just let him go it's like uh, he's got paid a lot of money 
he was good for a while and now he's no longer what you need and that's he's fine on, he's on 430,000 a week or something it's ridiculous something insane uh, we want the Lions now Qatar sets sights on a major move into rugby Qatar of Hell Talks by staging a British and Irish Lions test in 2025 as part of a major move into rugby they won seven games as well this is Matt Hughes exclusive in the Daily Mail this morning Mark O'Shea says Clifford is even better than Gooch and Fitz <laughs> Well, when I asked David Moran on the show, I remember recently he wouldn't uh, no wouldn't go that down that path. But fair play to Marco Shea putting his, his neck on the line down in the kingdom. Formula One stars must ask to protest. Formula One drivers will be banned from making political or religious statements without prior approval next season under new rules. Be interesting to see uh, how much approval they get. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, the whole thing is uh, farcical. Like uh, people had a bit of sympathy for F1 when they started banning jewelry and stuff. They said, oh, "Okay, well, there's a safety element to this. Um, do you know if there's a fire started, and it will obviously uh, naturally um, rotate and move towards the heat, which would be the the watch and the wrist of the jewelry." But that clearly was just a, a starting point for them to. Well, we'll see what happens because it says uh, Formula One sellers insist that it will not prevent drivers from making statements or gestures promoting equality or environmental issues. For example, Lewis Hamilton wearing a rainbow-coloured helmet at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. He'll be free to do so again, but the drivers may have to seek permission first. One of the things that didn't happen, no footballer put their neck on the line. I hope that from the end of the group stages to the end of the tournament, somebody somewhere would say something and do something and it didn't happen. I don't know, where am I, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Christmas jumper this morning. Mm. Like, Colin Kaepernick literally gave up his career. Literally yeah. gave up his career to, to protest. And it's possible that uh, those footballers could have made a, a, some kind of protest, some kind of science, anything, anywhere along the way. And no one did. And, you know, football. Oh, I kind of expect it's going to be a stain on them all forever. Yeah. Uh, and asking, sorry, the FIA asking, saying they have to ask permission to protest kind of takes away from the whole idea of protesting in the first place you, you know not asking for permission is half the is half the battle um, so yeah in terms of the World Cup and Formula 1 drivers it's a bit of a concerning time yeah, I'd, like to, I'd like to see some more drivers and uh, footballers especially stand up Kevin De Bruyne is back he's uh, blue Santa uh, he's back in Manchester their secret Santa says the champions have already got the perfect Christmas gift as they prepare to return to action tomorrow Jude Ellingham Real Madrid bullish they will lure the team to Spain interesting use of language anyway Real Madrid believe they have won the race assigned Jude Bellingham in a 100 million euro 100 million pound plus deal um, yeah so it is pounds that they're using on the back of the sun uh, they've become very confident that he's going to snub a move to the Premier League and make the big switch to Spain next summer so nothing's going to happen in this transfer window you buying that? Uh, I think any young English player like he's he's avoided the spotlight and the glare of the English media and the British media over in Germany and <clears throat> moving to Real Madrid puts him of course more on a pedestal but week in week out if you're playing fixtures in La Liga as opposed to the Premier League it takes that, that uh, pressure off your shoulders a little bit now I'm not saying playing for Real Madrid is a pressure free situation for a 19 year old but I think if you can avoid the glare of the, the English media while you're a young footballer for as long as possible that can only be a good thing so uh, I think Real Madrid is a perfect move for him It's, not, it's, a, it's a fair point actually that like Get away the, from the media The goldfish bowl <clears throat> like maybe if you're Jack Grealish your next move should be to Germany or Italy where Yeah Imagine the pressure if, if Bellingham joins City or Liverpool well, The only thing focus. is like you won't be the only good player there No you know? um, and, and not that he would be at um any of the other clubs that he moves to but uh, yeah and that pressure's going to come so maybe you just learn to deal with it and you've got good people around you and it's not that big a deal yeah it depends who he wants to play for but if I, if I was him Real Madrid is a perfect perfect scenario so uh, let him at it 
the, a lot of a lot of clubs can afford him, um, and he'd be a, an excellent signing for whoever gets him. I don't know if his style of play who it suits more, but I think Real Madrid is a, is a brilliant option for him at this stage of his career. Uh, Camavinga, Shimani, and him in midfield. Oh. Uh, natural succession to Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Different. I mean, yeah. More high energy, more running, more intensity. Sorry, he's only going to be 23 at the next World Cup. Bellingham, yeah. That's that's remarkable. Right, it is 8.58. A reminder, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish today. We've already been talking about um, not doing very much over Christmas, except maybe sitting on the couch and watching. What are you going to be watching? Sinead Kyo is here with some recommendations for us. Sinead, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? You've watched uh, the internet from cover to cover, apparently. I have, yeah. Um, yeah, over the course of the last year, I've watched a lot of sports documentaries. Um, but yeah, like you said, great time over Christmas when you're not going to be doing um, much to get that opportunity just to sit back and, and enjoy. There's so many good documentaries on Netflix especially. I think that there's like there's the ones that we've all heard of, um, The Last Dance and you have of course like the FIFA uh, documentary that came out recently as well but there's lots of other ones as well that maybe people mightn't have heard of mm. that I would definitely recommend. So obviously uh, The Last Dance dropped when COVID dropped. Um, I haven't gone back to it to watch it again but was it as good as we all thought at the time? Is there any revisionism going on going, uh, you know, I mean... I think it was maybe that it was just so star-studded mm. and it was the whole Michael Jordan appeal. Um, but I actually don't think it's as good as some of the other documentaries that are on Netflix. Okay, go on. So, I don't know if you've seen any of the Untold documentaries. It's a docu-series. Um, there's about six episodes all to get all together in that. But the Marty Fish documentary. It's unbelievable. So it's about, it takes a really close look at mental health struggles that professional athletes go through. I don't know, Shane or Jerry, have haven't you seen, seen it? Seen no, it. no. Heard, so, heard tell of it, all right. Yeah, so Marty Fish, he's not a name that everyone would know, but um, because he was, I think for most of his career, he only would have ranked maybe in the top 20 um, Good man in the world. Good man reached the last 32 of a major tournament and be cannon fodder for the eventual winner or finalist. Mm. Yeah, so, but like towards the end of his 20s then, he basically gave up every other aspect of his life just to dedicate himself totally to tennis. Um, and then he got, I think he became the US number one um, in I think it was around 2011 and he was ranked number seven in the world but when he reaches the pinnacle uh, of his career that's when everything kind of falls apart then he gets to a quarterfinal of the US Open going to be playing Roger Federer and he has to pull out um, yeah and I think it's it's just like a lot of the time with you see a lot of players often have to withdraw from major sporting events because of physical injuries and no one really bats an eyelid. But um, when it comes to withdrawing because of mental health issues, there is a bit more scrutiny there, I think. We saw it with uh, Naomi Osaka, uh, Simone Biles. Uh, but like, if you watch this documentary and if that is your attitude, if you tend to have a bit of judgment around people withdrawing because of mental health, I, I definitely implore you to watch uh, this and I don't think you'll you'll feel the same after after watching it. So really, really highly recommend it. So it's untold and it's the Marty Fish episode. 
Marty Fish episode. Another one then that I would recommend um, as part of the Untold the docuseries is the Caitlin De- Caitlyn Jenner documentary. Again, I don't know if either of you have seen this. Caitlyn Jenner, in more recent times, we'd know her as part of being the, the whole Kardashian-Jenner phenomenon. But um, before any of that kicked off, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, when she was competing as an athlete known as Bruce Jenner, uh, was a decathlon athlete, gold uh, winning uh, Olympic gold um, medal winner and um, yeah it just goes through her career as an athlete but um, like all the pressure of being an athlete performing at the top level but also in the background simmer in the background is all of the identity issues um, that they're going through throughout the, the course of their career as well so definitely another um, one that I would highly recommend. There's a number of episodes of that. There are, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, um, I think there's actually eight in total. And just focuses on one athlete. Athlete at, at, at a time, yeah. And it's, it kind of looks more so at the personality as opposed to, to the athlete. So and do they all, really good one. are they all cooperating with the, the documentary? So Caitlyn Jenner's in her documentary and Marty yeah. Fish is in his, like, speaking to camera and... Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're all um, they're all speaking to camera. So that's something that's nice about it as well. It's not told by a third party. They're all they're all participating in it. Um, and then moving on, then just I want to to get them all in. But I do really want to recommend Bad Sport. Have I heard you it? it. Like these are the best documentaries that are on Netflix. And like as I said, there to start like about um, Last Dance, FIFA. But these some of these go under the radar. So there's, um, I'm just so interested in sports fixing, sorry, match fixing. So um, Bad Sport has two really good episodes, uh, one called Hoop Schemes, and then another one. Then um, it's about uh, Hansi Konja. He was a South African um, cricket player. So all about match fixing and uh, point shaving. Really, really good. Two really excellent episodes how long are within they? that an hour okay and the other the untold ones an hour as well okay yeah yeah so not too much of a commitment mm. not too much of a commitment yeah definitely um i think we all have a good bit of time <laughs> over <laughs> over the next couple of weeks um to watch them uh, do you have time for one more yeah yeah keep going yeah i want to talk definitely this is one that i came across about two years ago and it's amazing last chance you um so this is about College athletes. So, as you know, like over in America, college uh, American football is huge. American um, basketball over in America is massive as well. So it is about um, college athletes who were in Division One college, uh, Division One um, colleges, and they were on a scholarship. But then, for one reason or another, they get kicked out of college. And a lot of time, it's because of disciplinary issues. It's because they're not making their grades. It's because they're not getting all well with the coach, or something's happening maybe in the classroom or on campus in general. And so they get kicked out of Division One colleges. They have to then go to junior colleges, Division Two colleges, and it's about them starting from scratch again. So trying to make their way back into Division One colleges again. And the reason why it's so important that they're in Division One colleges is because that's where they're scouted for the NBA and for the NFL. Um, and that's how eventually they will go on to prosper in, in their career. Um, and the reason this one is so is so fascinating as well is because 
these athletes are from really disadvantaged um, backgrounds mainly. And so if they can't make it in the likes of um, sport or in music, then they've very little prospects in life. So it's it's about mentorship. You have the coaches really mentoring them, trying to get them to kind of do better in life and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's about, I suppose, just prevailing in really grim circumstances a lot of the time. So last chance you, definitely a good shout as well. A lot of my mates talking about this one. How, right, many, how many seasons? Which what season are we talking about here? What's so the there's uh, three seasons where it's focusing on American football, and then there's one season. Actually, no, there's two seasons now in basketball as well. Okay, so the most recent ones are basketball. Most recent ones are basketball, which I I I I'm prefer basketball. Like yeah. it makes more sense to me than American football. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'd probably recommend the basketball seasons over the American football season. Just the whole season one of the American football though, I don't know. Brilliant. If, yeah, well there's just an incredible ending. There's an all out brawl, which is mm. like <laughs> What? That's all we want. But and they have all the footage. Um if I'm if I'm thinking the right thing, uh and the, the, yeah. s- the same coach comes back for the first and second season and then They move the, on to another college yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like uh, not that many of them ever make it. One of the characters ends up uh, reappearing, coincidentally, of course, at the NFL team that is in that season's Hard Knocks. And you're kind of like, I wonder, is there a little bit of, you know, this guy... Publicity. Just a little bit for Hard Knocks going, oh, we're going to follow this through. Because this this was massive as well at the start of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't actually seen any of the basketball ones. The basketball ones are, are really good as well. And the thing is, like... Another reason why it's interesting is because these lads have such high opinions of themselves. They've been on scholarships, they've Probably been training, have to. and yeah. they have to. But then they're they're back at square one, like yeah. in these junior colleges, and a lot of the time they think, "What am I doing here? I'm too good for this." And there's that struggle that's going on in the background too, which a lot of ego and it's eggs in one basket. Like when when they get the totally. bad news, it's like, "Well, what yeah. the hell do I do now?" Yeah. And it is true, like a lot of the time, and then a lot of the time you see them even getting kicked out of the junior colleges and they've just no prospects whatsoever in life. Um, so yeah, really, really interesting. It, last, yeah. it is a much bigger commitment though. It's like eight eight episodes a season or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and some of them like would be like the episodes, I think they can go on for like an hour and a half right. each. So yeah, it's so a much you know, longer It's just a little bit, it's a bit of a commitment. And if it it's is. no good, you're like, mm, that's a waste of time. Yeah, and there's a lot of shouting and screaming as well in in it. So like, if you're on board for that, that's fine. But um, <laughs> especially in the second season of Last Chance You, uh, I think when they're in, where is it? East Mississippi, um, the coach there is pretty full on. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Um, even even self aware, having watched the first season. Uh, all right, Sinead, good stuff. So there are the recommendations. Sinead Kiel, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Emil. It's uh, 10 minutes past nine. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Tune into the lunchtime wrap today. You can subscribe to that. It brings you all the very latest sports news with thanks to Deliveroo. Check out the app for some great match day meal deals across the World Cup. Deliveroo, food, we get it. Here's what we got on OTB Sports Radio for you today. At half ten, the show is live. It's the club championship show. Uh, OTB Gold from one is Michael Owen talking about his life after football. Koi gig today from three o'clock uh, with some good celebrity gossip mixed in this week. Our retro panel is Tyrone GA's golden days. They are, of course, the uh, team of the decade of the noughties. OTB Gold, Dennis Ogie Moran. You can follow Off the Ball across our social channels and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. 
for all the best in latest sports content. Up next, former tennis pro Jenny Claffey joins us in studio to talk about her top tennis moments of the year. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's 14 minutes past nine. I'm delighted to say Jenny Claffey is here. We've been trying to do this piece for about a month. <laughs> we finally got it together. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. We're looking for um, the five, what was your criteria here? Five most exciting, five most memorable, five most important? Yeah, I suppose most memorable when myself and Jenny have been chatting about this for a few weeks now. So much has happened in tennis in 2022, starting with Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open, which seems like a lifetime ago, and then ending in Roger Federer's retirement and he and Nadal and bursting into tears and everything in between. So most memorable, I suppose, is what we worked off. The tears. The well, two lads crying, bawling, oh, couldn't look at each other. It's the highlight, isn't it? It's that like, actually has to be the highlight, yeah. yeah. I think that this has been an incredible year for tennis in terms of like, there's been a lot of highs, a lot of lows. We've seen some shocks. We've seen, some, like, it's just, it's been a very exciting year, I think. Um, I think my first biggest moment of the year has got to be the retirement of Roger Federer and Serena Williams and then Ash Barty as well like saying goodbye to the two of the mm. biggest greats of, of the sport over the last 20 years that's a huge loss to the game and um, there was obviously a lot of publicity about that and, and who's going to be the stars now come up and coming but I think yeah saying goodbye to Roger and, and Serena has been a big loss in the year that's my number one moment Yeah and um it's kind of one and one A because like they both are the biggest thing that has ever happened. I, I think that maybe that's not fair. Serena's way ahead of Federer in terms of the impact in her side of the game. There's never going to be anybody like her. Whereas with Federer, you can at least argue that he was driven to his greatness by the other two at the same time coming along slightly behind him. But Serena is a unicorn. Yes, yeah, she was something special. Like um, the Williams sisters came on on the scene over twenty years ago and just revolutionised the women's game. They changed how the women's game was played. Mm. They brought this power that we hadn't seen on the women's side. Like players before them, you know, like Selles and and Graf. Even before them, they didn't play like that. And, and they came along and just completely tra- transformed the game and dominated for for twenty five years nearly. The t- um, and Serena with her twenty three Grand Slams that we all talk about the elusive twenty fourth uh, that she didn't quite get to, but yeah she transcends the sport and like her legacy is going to live on Williams she's an absolute amazing athlete and inspiration to so many people on and off the tennis court uh, we've been asking for um, documentary recommendations is the movie the Williams sisters movie any good that uh, I haven't seen it yeah I thought I thought it's pretty oh. good I waited a good while one of my favourite films the last five years oh really it's actually one of my favourite sports films ever I think really oh, I thought it was brilliant right I, I was nearly I think uh, nearly I was in tears at the end of it for sure scene at the end where it's like just all comes together um, oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing just to see like the sheer determination of her dad, Richard, and like he was he was making tennis players out of those girls, and he did whatever it took to get them to the top. And yeah, I do think it was actually an amazing insight wow. into what it what it was like, and and a very a true story, obviously. So it's yeah. it's incredible. Okay, so worth watching over Christmas. Definitely one to watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like we another one as well. We had Sinead in there talking about the Untold series and the Marty Fish documentary so for people who don't know it's American player Marty Fish who came up at the long, same time as Andy Raddick talented but kind of lacked that mentality and was seen as a bit of you know kind of didn't take it too seriously and then completely overnight just changed his mentality and went to the other extreme and the documentary culminates in him withdrawing from a match with Roger Federer at the US Open because it all just got too much for him and he basically had a panic attack on court in the previous mm. round I was chatting with, about it with you Jenny and you saw it as well like What's the difference in, in the top 100, even 200 players in the world? Is, is the ability at level the same and is it the mentality that separates? 
Yeah, definitely. You see, you see that from the guys, girls, and guys outside the top. 200 like it's trying to break into that top 200 is a huge deal and, and the tennis game like that's where once you get into this kind of top 200 you're nearly breaking into the grand slams and um, top 100 you start making a living it's it's like the from there out it is what separates the players is definitely mentality and um, that mental strength when you go out to play a match like I remember turning up my first tournament and watching all these girls playing and going oh my god everybody here is amazing amazing forehands amazing backhands amazing serve how am I going to win a match step onto a match court and it's a different ball game altogether. And you go out and you see like you're annihilating girls like love and love and you go out and practice with them the day before and they're beating you in points in, in the warm up. And it's just, it is what separates players ultimately, especially in an individual sport. You know, it's all you. And on the day, anything can go wrong. You know, you can be... It strikes me that tennis hasn't yet got good at building the support network around young players coming through in a way that is based on science as opposed to emotion. And maybe the Radicano experience is, is feeding into this a little bit, but like if if Marty Fish was a footballer now coming through, the club would go, okay, here's your personality test. Here's your strength and conditioning. Here's your psychologist. Here's everything you need to do to become the best version of you. Now, I'm sure there's football clubs who aren't brilliant at that, but they would see that the return on investment is huge. It just feels like tennis is still kind of random individual parent driven or coach driven and it's like oh well we've always done it this way and it worked for this one player am I wrong about that? Well it's, yeah there, there almost needs to be like a framework of what you need like and who you need in your team to, if you want to be the best but when you start out like using my own example I went on the professional tour and I was only travelling uh, with a fitness trainer at this time and that was just because he was the boyfriend at the time so he was travelling with me and then my coach was here so you don't you're not travelling with this entourage that you see maybe with the, with the top players and then as you start to get a bit of traction you start doing you realise actually I need um, a psychologist on my team and I, I need another technical coach and you, as you go on then you're only adding what you feel like you need there isn't like okay Jenny this is Jenny and she you know she might be a bit weak at this so we need to employ someone who's going to be good at that that's not there in tennis whereas actually right. you'd benefit from it much more at the start absolutely yeah like it's, the, the, the quantum leap you can make from having a psychologist early versus at the stage where you've already made it to a level do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, even if you use the, the example of two of the players on the tour, like Naomi Osaka, had amazing success. She's an incredible talent, amazing tennis player, has won three Grand Slams already, but now is suffering hugely with her, her mental health compared to, let's say, Iga Shontek, who is 21, won three Grand Slams, but has from, been travelling with her psychologist from the very start. So she's being well protected and she's managing that side of her game. And you can just see, like, comparing those two, like, I know obviously everyone's different, but... Yeah that there is an absolute benefit to having that. In your experience of professional, is it an unwelcoming sport? Um, it's a tough sport, yeah. It's a lonely place to be. And I think like you have to have the that the right um personality almost to be an individual athlete and a tennis player as well. Like it, you it's only you out there. And you know, I use my own example of saying to you guys there, like I think I would have been better suited to a team sport yeah. just because I would vibe off people if things weren't going well. Whereas when things are going well, it's all on you. You put it all on yourself. You've nobody to turn to, like, especially as I said in those early days travelling, you're not with anybody. You could be going to dinner on your own, feeling really bad about yourself like you know and, and how do you bounce back like you need to have those tools or somebody to bounce off to yeah. help you with that but yeah it, it, not to say it's an unwelcoming sport but it is a very tough sport Did you seek advice from other professionals? Ten, like tennis yeah, players tennis at the time? Players. No I figured it out myself that I was really? going to need yeah because I, I remember stark memory of like 
going out in that first tournament and thinking what's going to be different about me and all those other girls out there and then being like okay this is just mentality Come between what, yeah. what happens between your two years when I step onto a match court is ultimately going to dictate what happens mm. and my success and then I remember I came back after playing about six tournaments and I, I um, started doing a bit of work with Aidan Moore and he's actually oh, yeah. passed away now but I was doing a little bit of work with him and um, he was great that was a really a really beneficial move um, step in the right direction I found that great for helping to get tools to help myself when I'm playing matches and develop this persona of like mm. I'm Jenny Claffey off the court but when I step in, into the court I'm a different like my alter ego comes out and you have to adapt this personality and that was actually a very strange thing to have to do because you know you're Andy Lee talks about the ring walk for like he's a normal human being and then he gets in the ring and he's a killer <laughs> yeah and, like, that's you know you need you need to do that because otherwise you're going to get killed yeah I had this moment of like I put on the headphones once put on my headphones before I warmed up that was then I'm, I'm alter ego Jenny it's nearly like the, you know, the golf documentary, The Short Game, where the kids are being ferried around by their parents to try and become professional golfers. Yeah. Tennis kind of strikes me as the same, where there's this pressurised, you have to make it, and like there's a lot of pressure maybe from, from parents and coaches as well, but to be that individual, especially when you're younger, must be so, so tough. And uh, as you say, it's like the women's hockey team who have themselves to celebrate with or to commiserate with. It's, you're, it's just you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's definitely this a part of the game that's not spoken about. As you said, we're a little bit behind in tennis. Like there is a number of of um, tennis players who have spoken out about the pressures and the the difficulties with the, with the individual sport of tennis. That's coming from the media. That's coming from well, like obviously from yourself as well. Um, Naomi Osaka being one, and that Marty Fish. That was a very yeah. powerful documentary yeah. that really highlighted how much that your mental health mm. plays a role in in your sporting life wasn't it somebody this year who um, on court is being interviewed and stops everything and says and just want to point to Elena Djokovic in the crowd as well was that this year Elena Djokovic Djokovic yeah she was interviewing her wasn't it Djokovic was the Djokovic is is a media now yeah I'm I'm mixing this up I think so I'm not sure Yeah, Djokovic was interviewing her on court Uh, yeah I vaguely remember it yeah yeah, no, I'm thinking. Okay, then I'll I'll find a face. Um, Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, no, <laughs> I like one person we haven't touched on uh, fully yet is Ash Barty retiring, which, which you nearly forget about. Like, yeah. the, and the best player in the world. Like, in my analysis of it, like the women's game probably has never been stronger because we have such an array of Grand Slam champions. Like every Grand Slam tournament for the last year or two that we've been speaking. You and I like struggle to predict who's going to win it. Yeah, we, yeah. Fiantic maybe, but maybe not if she doesn't show up. Where is the women's game for you overall at the moment? Does it need a superstar like the, the big three and the men or is it is it good at the moment because there's such an array of talent? Well, I think that my number two point on moment of the year has got to be the fact that we have a star in the women's game. I think in Iga Fiontech now, uh, she showed a bit of her dominance this year once Ash Barty retired, which uh, we'll have to go back to on that as well. But um, she retired and then Fiontech took over as the number one in the world and then went on this historic 37 match winning streak, mm. won a, a French Open and then we were all talking about her and then she did actually back it by winning the US Open this year which was the first time a woman has done that uh, in the last six years yes. so that's where that kind of gives us a bit of hope that there is a star in the women's game and there is depth as you said like we're seeing Jabir in two Grand Slam finals Royal this Pal. year yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I haven't forgotten that one <laughs> um, and then there's a few other stars like um, we've seen uh, Car- Caroline Garcia I was mentioned her too she's this French player who've been talking about for about 10 years and Andy Murray said it was over 10 years ago he's like she's going to be a future world number one and it's taken Almost mm. till now to see her talent, and she got got semis of the 
the uh, US Open won the WTA finals there so she's on form we have Coco Goff so there are there is going to be much more players like Sakari from Greece Sabalenka like these guys these players sorry are challenging each week but I do think we have a star in Shiontek but does she need a buddy because we need to get uh, a rivalry, don't we? We yeah, need a rivalry. And Colin, it's going to be a, a Goff and Shantek rivalry over the next. But they played each other in the French Open final. Yeah, yeah, but I, I still do think I think there's more, a lot more from Goff coming from Goff. Like she's only eighteen. Yeah, she's been yeah. talking about her for the last three yeah. three years since she beat Williams in and got to the fourth round of Wimbledon three years ago, and then she randomly this year got to the, not randomly, but it was number one doubles player in the world for about a few weeks and then um, she's obviously made the, the French Open final like only 18 has an incredible game but I think it's going to be a Shiontek Goff rivalry I'm calling it now um, years to come this time last year if we were doing this we would have been talking about Emma Arakanu for like the whole thing yeah, yeah that's very true barely mentioned um, is that just one of those dits where just get a bloody coach stick with the same coach have a philosophy follow the philosophy or is was it like is there something else going on yeah, it's kind of that. Would, that is a bit of a strange one. Like winning, kind of as we know, she won from from qualifying. She came and won the U.S. Open, and then since then, she's she's actually just hired her fifth new coach in eighteen months. Yeah, this what's, week. what's that about? What do you um, think is going on there? the coaches I know but I guess just again from experience you need to have stability in your team and you need to have you know as you said like a set group of people who are going to then drive you forward and if you're chopping and changing all the time there's obviously there's something not not right there but aside from that again she, she shot to fame overnight and then the British press have absolutely built her up and then destroyed her again so she's having to deal with that pressure and expectation again the mental health side of the game that's got to be difficult she's only 18, 19 now so there's a huge pressure on her shoulders she's a superb tennis player like the, her game style is, is, is one to match Svantec I think um, however she's just not been given the chance to like almost you know she needs a few years experience yeah. on the tour it would be almost better if she hadn't won the French Open uh, the yeah. US Open I and think, had yeah. the few years you know to get more match experience she hadn't even played on the tour for more than three months I well, think she was just finished stage. yeah Wimbledon she came through last year wasn't it yeah but, sorry you, you said she's just as talented as Fiantek I think would she has a game to match Shiontek. Like as in, like that, that would be a great matchup for those to play each yeah. other. I think she could push Shiontek, um, but she needs more y- years on, on the tour, I think, to get experience. And she, like again, in three years, 21, 22, like that's a big... Yeah, plenty of time. Yeah, but, uh, definitely. Need to stick with the coach and, and the fitness programme and just decide and also get <laughs> get healthy. Um, sorry, it was yeah. um, um, Alizé Cornette. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. At the corner, yeah. Is this at corner? Is this at the Australian Open where she's um, telling Yelena Djokovic, Yelena Djokovic, how much um, gives her a hug and all? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, that was a great moment. That was the Australian Open, was it? Am I right about that? Don't yeah. All right. We'll right move on. <laughs> I don't recall. It was a great. It was a lovely moment. Either way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was from Amy O'Connor's. Um, tweet stream about the sporting mm. highlights of the year the general highlights of the year okay so we should talk about um, Nadal who we thought might be finished but isn't clearly yeah he's still got some unfinished okay. business he was fourth on my list of the best mo- moments of the year has got to be uh, Nadal reaching the 22 Grand Slam mark mm. and he's at the top now with, with the most Grand Slams obviously winning the 14th Roland Garros that's unbelievable he dominated the first half of the year it was yeah, unbelievable yeah. US Australian Open 
French Open and then semis of Wimbledon and like we obviously know all about the injuries that he was playing through in the French Open with the foot whatever he was playing with a numb foot then he tore the he actually had a fractured rib in April playing in in Miami I think in the tournament so he withdrew from that yeah. and then he has an abdominal injury that he hasn't quite sh- shaken since Wimbledon but I think at the start of the year nobody was thinking Nadal was going to have that kind of success. Mm. I think he had he hadn't played for the last four months of last year, and then he came in and won the first three tournaments of the year, and then came back from amazing two sets to Love down the uh, Australian Open final against Medvedev, and then from there, as I said, he's just dominated, and then he's just kind of obviously injury has now knocked him back and then he's had the birth of a baby boy I wonder how his priorities shifting but again we can never count out Nadal like what a champion and he's currently sitting at the top with with 22 Grand Slams can we really rule out him rule him out of winning a 15th Roland Garros Mm, next year no it goes back to mentality again like you said you know his father and his uh, box at Wimbledon quarter final against Taylor Fritz were imploring him to retire injured and he refused <laughs> to. What is this guy's motivation just to keep on going? That Month grit. after month. It goes back to the mentality, doesn't it? Yeah. This, what is that? Stubbornness. Spanish stubbornness. That's what it is. Yeah, he just, he's, he's, he's aggressive. I wonder, was he surprised by by what he's achieved at the start of this year? Like, I think, think the Australian Open I didn't think I'd be. Yeah, I do think was a match of the year. Like. Definitely. Yeah, Daniel that, Medvedev that final. Is, you know, hardcore, outside of Djokovic is the best hardcore had player. Had won the US Open at the end of last exactly. year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Nadal, how did he stay in that match and then how did he win it in the fifth? I remember watching that abroad and this, is, this, this totally is totally transfixed me. Yeah, but he's just the, the grit and determination that Nadal has is like is him and Djokovic are probably on par with that They're, he's just that will to win he just will not give up and as you said like his box were screaming at him the whole time yeah. in that Wimbledon quarterfinal I think people feel like Messi they do about Nadal in football and tennis yeah, they just want him to achieve as much as he possibly can before he finishes whereas Djokovic has the Cristiano yeah. vibe to him like cool. that he's yeah. just trying you know, his best to be liked and, yeah but, yeah but, like he's incredible, like incredible Nadal. I think that his mentality is something that we just—it's unmatched. I do think like Djokovic probably is probably the next best to him, but I don't think we can count Nadal out just yet. Like, I really think he's could contend next year. Yeah, um, obviously it'll be a slightly trickier Australian Open because Djokovic has made peace with the authorities. Mm. I think uh, Djokovic managed to get away with a lot here because he did definitely falsify documents the the first time around, like which. You know, yeah. that should have been like a okay lifetime. You can't do that. But anyway, everybody's decided whatever, and he will be back. And um, uh, tennis has its pantomime villain, and he loves the role, and he's pretty good at it. Well, we were talking about this before. We're like, yeah, he 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 laps it up, and he seems to rise to it. But he actually does have the like me, like me personality. Like he's trying so hard still to win over crowds. <laughs> yet he can play a match and know that ninety percent of the crowd are against him and come back and win. Like I'm dying to see him playing in the Australian Open this year. What oh, the crowds yeah. are going to be like? Oh my, it's going to be incredible, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. going to be, because that's what you were saying. If he was going to be allowed to play in January, imagine the crowd reaction. Yeah, they were but hating him last I, year. I think he really wants to be loved. That's why he broke down in tears in the 2021 US Open final against Medvedev when he lost because people loved him. That was the biggest victory for him. But then his mentality against Kyrgios the Wimbledon final to lose the first set and Kyrgios doing well in the second set. Djokovic just didn't panic. Imagine no. facing that. Yeah, it's just, that's what I mean. Again, as you said, the mentality goes back to that mentality of just like, he's just so steely like Djokovic. Like, and, you know, I, I remember um, uh, he was playing Murray when Murray won Wimbledon and Murray was two sets to love up and I think he was like five 
I think it was five four up or five two up sorry so he had a double break in the third set Murray was serving for it and he said after the match he knew that if he didn't hold in that game again I think there's lots of he had maybe four match points or something mm. he's like he knew if he didn't hold in that game he's two sets to live up a double break up in the third that if he didn't hold he, d- he thought that he'd lose the match against Djokovic some mentality like. that is just yeah like to never count yourself out like and I think there's a lot like he's fifth on my list for the moments of 2022 Djokovic the Novak's Djokovic how he started off the year so politically and then how he is just this guy who's just not going to go away he's not going away he, no, he, he will end up with the most like yeah. if it kills him whatever he'll do whatever it takes to get there I think I said uh, last year, my fir- one of my first times on the show, yeah. I said he's going to win 30 Grand Slams. If it wasn't for mm. the, this, year, this yeah. year, I think, you know, and he's 35 now, but he he still won Wimbledon this year. Like in 2021, the season, he won three Grand Slams. He got to the final of the other. Okay, then this year he wins Wimbledon. He's won 18 of his last 19 matches. He won the ATP finals mm. there at the end of November. He's on form in Australia. I think he's going to be the one yeah. to beat. Yeah. We're completely out of time. Is there anything we haven't mentioned that was like a we should have spent more time on? Carlos Alcaraz, oh god, the youngest number one tennis player in the world. Yes, the new the new star in the men's game. That's that's what I had to talk about. Like, yeah, that's incredible. He's incredible talent. He is, yeah, he's unmatched. I think he's gonna be a real star of the future. Like we call, we've obviously already called that now. But I'm looking forward to a Djokovic Alcaraz rivalry over the next year. What's the over under on how many Grand Slams he's gonna win? Alcaraz, yeah. Over 10, under 20. It's a big spread. Mm. I'm going to, I need like a 13 15. to 15. Okay, let's say, fi- I'll say 15. Okay, yeah, all right. 15. That. 15, yeah. That'll be that's a lot. That's 14 a, that to go. Yeah, that's, that's a lot, lot actually, to be fair. Maybe I lot. might. I think Djokovic is more likely to get to 30 than he is to 15. You've said it now, though. That's a big call, actually, yeah. considering the age difference. Yeah. That's a big, that's interesting, yeah. Jenny, great I stuff. may eat my words <laughs> a happy Christmas to you and you too guys thanks very much uh, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we're back tomorrow uh, Daniel Harris talking about Manchester United in the Carabao Cup Tureen's Fergal Boland is going to be with us and we'll speak with former Irish sprint record holder Ailish McSweeney she's working with Sanctuary Runners and um, they're getting everybody out to run um, to the North Pole metaphorically between now and Christmas we'll talk to her on the show tomorrow to tell you a bit more about that OTB AM with Gillette Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.